Half-Life 3 confirmed. Yes. Half-Life 1.5. Half-Life 1.99 confirmed. Uh-huh. Have you heard about this? I have. <laughs> There's a new Half-Life game. But it's a prequel to at least one of the games. 12 years after the release of Half-Life Episode 2, uh-huh. Half-Life 2 Episode 2, to figure that out. Right. Uh, yeah, they announced a VR prequel yes. called Half-Life Alex. Yes. For Steam VR. Yes. <laughs> you Disappointed seem sigh. not super excited well, is, about this. Uh, well, I think it, Sam the Eagle, does he, he doesn't make a noise, does he? He just goes... Yeah, I don't yeah. know that he makes a noise. So then I'll do the March noise. Yes. Can you believe this? Uh, you you aren't familiar. And someday, it's so hard to talk about video games. I mean, we're doing it right now. But it's so hard to give you the full experience on this show. I mean, if we just talked about like a game that everybody's played, uh, Super Mario Brothers. Sure. I don't know how much, how much time we could do on that. Or or something recent, like the Mass Effect Andromeda controversy. Mm-hmm. If people have played that. Or if the new Dragon Age is coming out. I'm selling myself on some segments here. You are. But... Yeah, I mean, like, it's legendary for people who um, play PC games. Uh, Half-Life is is legendary. It changed the game of the first-person shooter. Sure. And took it from uh, fun, doom, <laughs> to something that, you know, you could tell a story with and you could uh, challenge the player to solve puzzles. And it wasn't just, uh, I don't have time to play with myself. And... <laughs> They did that again with the release of Half-Life 2 in... Right. 2000? I don't remember when it came out. It was a while ago. It was close to the time. Yeah. And that revolutionized the the game then, and then they had this... And they were kind of revolutionizing release schedules because they did, like, you know, episodes, and the idea was we would get these episodes. Right. They wouldn't stop making them. Uh Uh-huh. And ever since then, it's been this long joke slash dirge of, like... When is Gabe Newell going to announce, oh, he did Half-Life Confirmed? Every right. single thing becomes like Half-Life Confirmed. And it was confirmed. We just didn't know about it. I, right. They've apparently been working on this since they uh, stopped work on Half-Life 2. Oh, okay. Or like during, while they were developing the episodes of Half-Life 2, they were like, how do we do Half-Life 3? And I yeah. guess created, you know, Team Fortress or rebooted Team Fortress and when a portal, the two mm. portal games have come out since the release of Half Life Two. Right. Uh, one of them with Half Life Two, the first one uh-huh. in the orange box, and of course there won't be a Portal Three. Right. <laughs> because uh, Gabe Newell can't count to three. Okay. <laughs> so it, it's it's exciting and frustrating simultaneously. Well, because you don't really play VR games, so I mean, is this? Well, something... I mean, oh, you said, uh, for me personally, I'm just talking about the world. I'm oh, representing. Okay. All gamers. Okay. Even the sexist ones. You, especially the sexist okay, ones. Okay, so you think that people are going to be disappointed by this? No, I think it'll be a really good game. I mean, they make really great games. Okay. Valve, when they make games, they don't right. really make them anymore. They're in the gaming business. Uh-huh. We uh, watched uh, Toys That Made Us, and I was trying to explain when we watched the TMNT episode yeah. that you know Kevin Eastman is talking about his dreams of being the next Jack Kirby. And he's a great illustrator. Like, I love his work, what yeah. I've seen of it, right. from 1989, yeah, yeah, because yeah. immediately the Turtles became huge, and instead of becoming a great artist, he became a guy who holds the license to one of the hottest properties ever, right. and that's kind of Gabe Newell. Like, he came up 
And I don't know how much of programming he did on Half the Half-Life series, but he's definitely like the guy in charge of the business. Mm -hmm. And Valve became not a developer. It became a games distributor through right. Steam. So that's what they do now. They are internet GameStop. Uh -huh. <laughs> It'd be like right. if GameStop made, uh, like, I don't know, the first uh, Metal Gear Solid game. Sure. And they're like, what are you going to do for a follow-up? Uh, we're going to put red polos on people and undercharge you for your trade-ins. <laughs> Great. Can't wait right. to do that. I'm, I'm playing that game every day. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the tea. Okay. As the kids say. That has been, has been spilled. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean... If you were to play a VR game, would it be this new Half-Life game? I think this one does look pretty great. Yeah. I think that it is. Um, I think that the if you play Half-Life 2, you know, Alex is a big part of it. And it's kind of, I mean, you don't control her, but she's sort of like the a, a second main character. Sure. And companion character. So I think that she's a great choice. I don't, <laughs> speaking of the gaming sexes from before, yeah. I don't know if they'll shit themselves inside out that they have to play a girl. But I think it's. A great idea. I think it looks great. They need to sell. This is also a business concern because mm. they need to sell uh, VR to get this the Steam side of uh, the VR side of Steam. Yeah, uh, rolling. Right. I can't remember if they. I think they own a piece of Oculus or something. Okay. I can't remember which is the approved Steam VR, but okay. I'm sure you could play it on you know whichever PC enabled VR um, unit you've got. Yeah, I don't know a lot about that because I don't. No. No. When the gaming wing of Just Enough Trail really explodes, uh, I'll get the, the listeners to buy one for me. And then oh, we'll there you see. go. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. Uh, Batman VR was was tempting. Oh, remember that? Yeah, yeah. I and do that's uh, that. that's on the PlayStation. I could ha I, I got a PlayStation. Yeah. I might get a, a PlayStation Pro this Black Friday because they're like really cheap. Are they? And that's the HD one, but of course I don't have an HD TV. So it depends on you know how how much the TV can show of this new thing that you've got. But sure. but anyway, my point is is that VR is accessible to people, but there is I feel this leap, this wall that people aren't willing to step over to do mm -hmm. it. And if that's mm -hmm. tripping around your living room, stepping on the cat, right, feeling stupid, not wanting to do it, mm -hmm. you could focus it. Right. I've always wondered. If you wear know. glasses, you don't wear them in the thing, do you? Yeah, how does that work? I don't know. Uh, there's a VR kit for the Switch. It costs uh -huh. like fourteen dollars. It's the uh, oh, wow. the Joy-Con VR flip flop, whatever it's called. Okay. It's a little cardboard thing you put together, and then you put oh, the Switch sure. unit just in front of your face. Sure. And the lenses are like two Coke bottles that sort of okay make sure that you don't go blind looking at it. Right. And that that's VR right there. Sure. So. Maybe that's one. We make a lot of promises, on. but yeah. I don't know. Maybe there'll be some VR content to talk about in the future. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I guess time will only tell. I want to get one of those rigs, those immersive things where you can see you're, you're taping yourself and you must be in like yeah. a green screen background or room. Uh -huh. And then it can project what you're seeing, put you into the scene. Okay. I see these in tech demos and I think it's, you know, available in some form from a, you know, in a home studio environment sure. but yeah so it's like the person's like drawing in the playstation drawer or whatever and you see them but you also see what they're doing because okay. otherwise it's just a goofball tripping over his divan well that's true <laughs> what's a divan um i thought a divan was is a, a sofa yeah okay it's yeah a, yeah okay okay that was i just i have a file 
Yes. And I just pull things out of it. Yes. It's usually it's names, but since I don't do that anymore, although I had a big success tonight. Yeah. We'll did. talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. With the Just Enough Joe podcast. I'm your host, Caliban. I know that one. Joined as always by my co-host. And what was your name again? Uh, Mikan That's Hana. right, Mikan Hana. Yeah. We're here to bring you all the news that's fit to cast in the world of nerdy entertainment, plus reviews of entertainment, of that entertainment, yes. I should say. And uh, we're doing that uh, tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about a couple different things. Uh, first of all, let's just get it out of the way. The feature, if you will, is us talking about the first three episodes of The Mandalorian yes. on Disney Plus and maybe a um, cursory review of the Disney Plus service. Not sure. not stress tested, but an overview right. of what we've seen <laughs> so far yeah. on that. And uh, what else are we talking about? I thought that we would talk about a pair of films yes. that we just got back from. Uh-huh. Uh, normally, this might be on our... Um, movie show sometimes we talk about uh, sure. things that we see at the art house uh, movie theater in town yeah uh, on crafty crudite. services yeah, yeah. on mm-hmm. our uh, cinema crudite but we'll deliver that over here and t- talk about two films that have really more in common than you'd imagine you think the 90s okay. were a weird time they were they definitely were a really weird time yes and these are two movies from that time yeah one is double team Yes. Starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh-huh. And Dennis Rodman. Yeah, that is correct. And the, what was his nickname? I'll know by the time the segment comes oh, around. Uh, Rodman's nickname? Um, it was either Dax Im- or me. Lax? No, or... no, in real life. Oh. Oh, his... <laughs> Sorry, I was going off of what it was in the film. No. Uh, I don't remember what his I, nickname was I didn't life. think so. Okay. And then another film that, like I said, seems polar opposite, Does. fairly similar... The movie Ronin. Yes. From 1998. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, Cal. How, how are you doing? Right back at me. I'm doing great. Okay, good. <laughs> this is um, your chance to tell us how you, tell us what you got going on in your life. Um, This camera, this camera, this camera. <laughs> it's an old video, but if you haven't seen it, look up uh, every hot ones on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, an internet comedian uh, did a thing that is really spot on. Yes. Out of love. But he points uh, yes. out the startling similarities between every episode of Hot Ones. Yes. Ooh. Um. Ooh. <laughs> this is good. This is good flavor. That's actually ours. That that one we. <laughs> that's ours. Yeah. Um. It was definitely that was definitely spot on. Um. Uh. Yeah. I'm doing well. Um. It's interesting doing. I don't think I've ever done a double feature before, so that was kind of fun. Um. And I mean, I guess they do have some things in common, but the, it it does still beside them being from like the 90s it they do kind of feel like an odd pairing to me like like it's a like a double team yes a double will. team you're giving a, it away an odd double team but you're, then you're again blowing I, yeah. this, the segment right here all right all right <laughs> let's get to our coverage of the news first off the bat uh it's sad i wanted to say that michael j pollard has died he's a very famous character actor a person who, if I showed you a picture of him, you would absolutely know who it is. Okay. Uh, you might know specifically because he played uh, the character of, I don't remember, kid, uh, bonk bonk kid in uh, the episode Miri, the classic uh, episode, first season of Star Trek episode Miri. Okay. Uh, where Kirk and company go to a planet where a disease has killed all the adults and the children have grown up without adults and so they're all okay. weird. And, yeah. Sure. And well, that's uh, sad news. Yes, and he uh, more recently was in um, House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay, not that recent. Uh, he was in Bonnie and Clyde, famously. I think I did read of his passing. This yeah, is all sounding familiar to me. And yeah. 
if you don't know, you probably know about this. Hmm. He was the <laughs> he was the weird Q tech guy in uh, Tango and Cash. Oh, okay, sure. I I see what you're saying. The weird like Q like tech guy. Yeah, you know so. that you know that part where <laughs> you know that part where uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's uh. The, you know, the whole thing's a cop movie, yeah. but then uh, the guy from City Slickers is talking to rats, and then <laughs> half of it, like the second act, is like a prison breakout movie. Yeah. And then as soon as they break out of prison, they go to their tech guy, and he gives them a cyber truck, and they drive it. it, it you haven't seen this movie. you got to see this movie. Well, yeah, clearly. Tango Cash. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, just always known for being, uh, you know, he's a goofy he's a goofy guy. We need a goofy guy. Sure. Who can or we a, get? Yeah. Or a guy who's... If you like, if Telly Savalas is your bad guy, d- that's a double down. Like, yeah, sinister looking, sinister acting. But this guy is like, he's got kind of like, a, oh, this is a fun guy. It's kind of a goofy look. Sure. But like when he plays a bad guy, it's like, oh, ooh, scary. <laughs> this, this should be a nice guy. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, but he was a nice guy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm just assuming. All was. I know is Star Trek an- anecdotes, and I know that like he's a guy who you know this is like sixty. Late 65, early 66, that they're shooting Miri. And yeah. so you've got Kim Darby, uh, who is the young, fresh faced actress who was in, I can't remember her famous role before that. But, okay. and she was a monster to work with. Oh, was she? Not because she was like, where's my Wate? But <laughs> she just was emotional and she was temperamental. Okay. And apparently she had a big crush on Shatner and would like, you kind of slow things wow. down because she was sort of flirting with him. And then Michael Pollard is this guy who's like, this is the middle of the 60s. He's like, hey, man, I'm method. I'm a real Tom Noonan type, right? Oh, boy. And he comes in and he's he knows all the lines, super professional, super nice to everybody. And they're like, oh, that guy's great. Yeah, right. But they never had him back. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't think so. That's kind of surprising. Yeah. But I guess, you know, when you, you, you think about it, like the, the original series didn't go as long as Pretty much all the other series of Star Trek, isn't that right? Yeah. So I guess it's not that surprising in the long run. I think it was a different time then because you would get somebody who, if you're a movie star, it's you see this in Once Upon a Time in in Hollywood, right? You get uh, Rick Dalton or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His star is on the wane, and so he's showing up and doing just two or three days on The Rifleman or whatever. Right, right, right. And that's kind of what you got back then. Uh, oh, so-and-so, remember him? He was in Sea Hunt or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's going to show up on this. And so it, that wasn't, he was very young then, Pollard. That's not what it was for him. But sure. you would kind of expect those are your guest stars. It isn't like you get somebody who's really good and go, well, we can just throw another forehead on him and use him again. They did do that. Like Mark Nelonard, uh was uh, Romulan commander before he was Sarek. And, right. But yeah, it, they it, they weren't as open to doing that as having... <sighs> James Sloyan or Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs on your show eleven times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, rest in peace to him. And as a friend of mine indelicately said, he's bonk bonk bonking in heaven. Oh no, dumb. But anyway, uh, the big news is uh, not really news at all. Frozen two uh, made one hundred twenty seven million dollars on its uh, this its opening cow. weekend. So all right, yeah, nobody. I mean, I guess that's not that shocking, really. Doubted that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, but the weekend before Thanksgiving, so they're yeah. gonna run right into Thanksgiving. Yeah. And probably win that. 
Yeah, Just no kidding. Well. I mean, I don't know what else is coming out next week, but um, I'm I would not be surprised if they rain. Any good Thanksgiving horror films? Do they? I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of one. The but... uh, the local art house cinema was running a bunch yes. of ads for their like scary Christmas yes. series, and it's all these you know Silent Night, Deadly Night, and yeah. What was the um, the Santa Claus one? Yeah, oh, it has a weird name. Yeah, Rare Exports. Is that what it was? Well, kind of like the one that was like um, in Order of Disappearance or whatever, and then they make it an American film, and it's Cold Pursuit or <laughs> Heavy Snow. <laughs> But this was called like rare exports. Yeah. And the idea is we buried Santa for a reason. Right? <laughs> but now he's free. <laughs> I don't think I have seen a scary Thanksgiving movie. I mean, what would what would that even entail? Like, guess who's coming to dinner? Well they did they, they, you know, they like... had the Eli Roth one for the um fake trailer in um Grindhouse. Oh, okay. I don't think I ever, ever saw a Grindhouse. Um, um where there's yeah, but that was you know that's just a trailer. So. Or would you have one where Don't. like the turkey, uh, it wasn't cooked all the way and it's haunted and they're it's coming to you for revenge. <laughs> a vicious <laughs> turkey spirit. Yeah, I thought the go-to was like you know you're having your Thanksgiving dinner on an Indian burial mo- burial mound. Oh, okay, like well I suppose there's that too. <laughs> right. Yeah, or like someone in your family is. There, there's 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 sort of dark secrets in the family and they're coming out over gravy. You're the know. great 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 grandson of John Smith <laughs> and it's payback time. Right, exactly. This is as far as we can go without our Native American friend to sanction our buffoonery. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> but I mean they still do that, like you know, I, wasn't the Blair Witch? I think Blair Witch is just white people, but yeah. whenever they need like a ghost or something, it's always like, oh, this shaman yeah. cursed, cursed you. Yeah. Right. The people who made La Yeoma, were they, hopefully there were Latinx people behind that, right? I, I hope so. I think so. I think that was it's actually really smart. It's I think it's kind of cynical, but it's really smart to like, all right, so Annabelle's huge. She's mm-hmm. a doll, right? Yeah. And then, but maybe she's not like, People are scared of the devil, so we'll do like the nun, and that's like the religious spinoff. Sure. And then we've got a big like Spanish language audience, so let's give them something, and we'll do the La Ioma, I don't know how to say it. I don't know. Uh, spinoff, and so you know. Yeah, um, I think it's smart to differentiate for sure. Um, and this Thanksgiving, <laughs> your turkey is cooked. <laughs> Yeah, it was called Black Thanksgiving, I think it was called. Oh, okay. Which is like real super creative. Right. I just made maybe I just made that up. <laughs> Moving on, here's something else is really creative. Uh the guy who produced Bohemian Rhapsody, excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. is going to make a Michael Jackson biopic. And it's biopic. Wow. It's not biopic. No. no. It's myopic to say biopic. I would agree with you on that one. Okay. Um Jeff. I'm yeah, I'm. I'm not super excited about this. I mean, to be fair, I guess I haven't seen the Bohemian Rhapsody film myself. Um, Why would you? Um, well, I, I. The thing is, I actually <laughs> really you get it. I know, right? <laughs> I know, but I actually really do love Queen. But I've heard not so great things about it. Watched an entire like YouTube video about how many cuts they did in this one scene, and it was like astronomical. Um, well, yeah, we all saw that. Yeah, but. Uh, 
so I'm just not terribly interested in seeing it, even though I like the subject matter. So, like, the fact that he's doing another one doesn't excite me that much. Well, guess who's going to write it? Who? Get ready to, to lower your excitations. Oh, boy. John Logan. Who is John Logan? John Logan is a screenwriter. Kay. He wrote Gladiator. Okay. And his... His his money was made. His thing was set. Yeah. His expression was said by me. <laughs> and then after that, here are some of his films. Ready? Okay. The Time Machine, the 2002 one with Guy Pierce. Okay. Star Trek Nemesis. Uh-oh. The Aviator, which, trust me, it's, it's it's not that great. I've seen The Aviator. Good performances. Yeah. Dumb script. Yeah. Guy washes his hands. We get it. <laughs> uh, Rango. <laughs> Okay. Alien Covenant. No. And the two Sam Mendes Bond films, which oh, well, I think no. if you search your heart are not as good as, as you think they are. No, they're not. Okay. Well, that's too bad. That is uh, not going to be a good film, I don't think. Well, it'll, here's how it starts. Let's write it right now. Okay. <clears throat> we begin. First of all, you have to... <laughs> first of all, you have to... You have to identify the pinnacle of Michael Jackson's career. Uh, yeah. We so begin. Starting off point. Holding a baby over a balcony. Oh, my and God. And you. I mean, is it sadly the lean dance at the MTV Music Awards or I whatever? I don't know. It Remember? might be. The moonwalk? Yeah. Where do you cut it off? I don't know. Well, if you, if you don't know where you cut it off, you don't have your opening scene. Well, yeah, I think you're right. Shh. Michael Jackson, I think about his whole life before he goes on stage and does a lean dance. <laughs> right? Yeah, I right. know what you're saying. Well, anyway. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Mm. Uh, boy, we're just racking up the uh, RIPs here. But uh, Russie Taylor died uh, this summer, earlier in the year. Okay. And is the voice of Martin Prince in uh, The Simpsons. Oh, okay. And uh, her last episode will air tonight. Oh, okay. Or this weekend. All right. Rusty's work wasn't limited to The Simpsons. She was the voice of Minnie Mouse from 1986 to uh, up to her death. Oh, wow. Uh, she was the voice of Huey, Dewey, and Louie on DuckTales. I love DuckTales. Yeah. And so she had been around the block uh, quite a bit and had been working, uh, you know, right up to her death, essentially, with many, 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 many credits. A lot of video game credits, too. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly um, Minnie Mouse and, um, you know, Martin Prince. Uh, sure. <laughs> in the Simpsons video games. Sure. But, yeah. Um, okay. Kingdom Hearts 3 came out this year. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, Huey, Dewey, Louie. Yes. They'll never be the same. No, they won't. I was trying to... They all have different voices. They have to be differentiated. Yeah. Although not much. And they have that... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I used to be able to do it. I'm not going to embarrass myself. They have that duck voice quality, but they all have to. And I was trying to figure out. I was playing the HD remaster of DuckTales, the video game. Oh, okay. Which I don't think it has the charm of the old oh. uh, NES one. But uh, And I was trying to figure out who my favorite of Huey, Dewey, or Louie was. Oh, that's a good point. I have no idea who my favorite is. I don't know either. Uh, I, I just couldn't tell you. Yeah, I know who my favorite. One of them's a sassy one. Well, yeah. And one of them's the coquettish one. No. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. I, I mean, I could tell you who my favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle is, but not who my favorite Huey Dewey is. Fine. Louis. But um, fine. Uh, is that's fine. It's I, Michelangelo. Yeah, He's Michelangelo a party is dude. my yeah, favorite. I yeah, I know. Yeah. Who is your favorite? Leonardo. Okay. I know it's the worst, but my favorite X Man is Cyclops. My favorite turtle is. 
is Leonardo. And didn't we figure it out that like they were talking about again? Sounds like we're shitting on the turtles this episode. We're not. Uh, but yeah, Eastman and Laird created something amazing. But isn't it just kind of the X Men? Kind of, yeah. Uh, Leonardo is they're mutants. Cy- well, they're literally mutants, but yeah. they're uh, is Cyclops. Uh, Raphael's your Wolverine. Uh, Donatello is your Beast, mm-hmm. and Michelangelo is Iceman. Any one of your characters is like not taking it seriously. Right, right. Um, I mean, I think that's Wolverine is point. cool but rude. Yeah, and. Iceman is a party dude. <laughs> and he surfs. Yeah, there Literally you go. Literally surfs. Yeah. On ice. Yes. Looks like <laughs> it looks like Dwayne Johnson will be in uh, Black Adam. We knew that, but he's also confirmed that the Justice Society of America will be introduced in Black Adam. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's kind of cool. If at first you don't succeed, try the earlier one. <laughs> That would be like if you did. Well, you could. I could see this if you did a Robbie Rodriguez. That's an artist. Robbie Reyes. Who's uh, the ghost driver? Go, the ghost writer that has a car. Know. I don't know. The what new ghost writer. Um, It'd be like if that didn't work. And yeah. it, I think it hasn't because his show was canceled. Yeah. Then you just go back to, to the motorcycle. Johnny Blaze. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's maybe like okay. Justice League not exactly working. Let's do the JSA. And it's smart because. Technically, you could put Superman in there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wonder Woman was a part of them. And as their most successful character, you could always just have Wonder Woman be a part of the JSA. Sure. Absolutely. In possibly historical adventures. Yeah. And then Justice League in the main timeline. Uh, yeah. I mean, that all, that all checks out to me. Um, I'm glad you agree. Because <laughs> it's happening anyway. Yeah. As is John Turturro playing Carmine Falcone. In the Batman. So they said, and this is maybe two or three directors ago, they said they weren't doing year one. But this kind of sounds like year one. It kind of does. Yeah. Um, I had heard that they were going to be doing the long Halloween. That's the, the thing oh, that I'd heard. Oh, that's a Falcone thing too. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, Like, who do we have cast already? We've got, we've got a Riddler, Penguin, uh, Catwoman. And Falcone, right? Yeah, those uh, extra guys seem long Halloween-ish. It's so nice. It's so cool that they have these comics that they can draw from <laughs> to create. Save it. Save it from the Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that'd be tough. Yeah. There's just something about it being 12 issues, 12 months. Yes. Uh, who is your... You You got a nail calendar, man. Yeah, that's true. I would say Kevin Spacey if he wasn't disgraced. You shave Kevin Spacey's <laughs> head again. He just does his seven bit. Bam, Julian Day, Calendar Man. Sure. We can't do that. No, we can't. So who's your Calendar Man? Oh, man. Who is my no, calendar, calendar Man? man. Um, um, who is an older actor who can be kind of creepy? Um, uh, <laughs> ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we're part, that. we're through that part of our lives. Yeah. Love him. Mendo. Hate, it, hate every movie he's yeah. in. Yeah, well. Yeah. Um, Why not? Hey, Scarecrow. Hugh Laurie is the Scarecrow. Hmm. I don't hate it. It's a little bit of body casting. Yeah. Because he's a tall, lanky guy. Yeah, for sure. Which would work for Jonathan Crane. But yeah, do that. Um, But we not Calendar Man. (laughs) Josh Gatt. We got it. Okay, let's move on. Uh, I think we're through that part of our lives, too. Uh, Here's something else to know about DC. Mm. The DC Universe series Stargirl, which I'm sure you forgot about, but is still being developed. 
Okay, yeah. It will debut on DC Universe, their streaming network, but will air episodes on CW uh, the day after. Oh, okay. So I think they pulled their punch. They were like, uh, so it's not going quite so well. Right. And I don't know the numbers, but I don't do you know DC anybody Universe? that has DC Universe. No, I've never heard anybody talk about it. So I think they're making the right choice here instead of say just canceling their Ghost Rider show like Marvel did. They're like, right. oh, we'll just put it on TV. Yeah. Um, do we know? Is there, is there a date that it's coming out yet? Um, there probably is. Okay. Speaking of streaming shows, yeah, Undone has been renewed for season two at Amazon, oh, so you will continue okay. to not see uh, what's her name's face <laughs> in an Rosa animated Salazar. show. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. I mean, it kind of stops in a place where you're like, um, this doesn't feel like it's done yet. But... Does it? Except for one little part that's designed to I guess. let you know they're coming back. Mm-hmm. W- wasn't it done? Yeah, I-, I guess. It's about a young woman who may or may not be traveling through time, but is absolutely dealing with mental health issues. Yes. Realizing that she can't conquer those mental health issues on her own coming somewhat to terms with the death of her father years yeah. ago and getting closer to her family. And if no if no green light came, it would have been like, okay, that's uh, interesting. Right. A semi-sensitive treatment of mental illness. Yes. In my opinion, a season two will only give them an, a chance to screw it up. <laughs> uh, well, I, I could see that. Love it when people with mental illnesses are... They've got magic powers. Didn't you know that? Uh, like Mercury yeah, Rising. I, mm, <laughs> or the Predator. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I don't know how to feel about it exactly. It makes me a little uncomfortable. It's just, it's... like, we just don't, we got to get people who, any it's aspiring, uh, like, counselors or mental health professionals out there, aspiring screenwriters, yeah. start writing now. <laughs> I'll help you. I'll put comic book stuff in there. Right. Because it's just always insensitive, and it would be great to see a sensitive treatment of that, which would educate your audience. Yes. Wouldn't just, you know, or like the bad guys always like, well, I flip my lid now. Mm -hmm. I'm the Joker. I clearly need to talk to somebody, but instead, start killing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And we could we could have that with the Moon Knight show, but isn't somebody that we is not very good writing it? I can't remember. Um. Yes, I believe uh, it's somebody who we're not super excited about. <laughs> I can't remember who it is either. But the um, name drawer is empty. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk about Michael Moorcock's Elric becoming a TV show? Um. I am not familiar with this. Tell me what Elric is. <sighs> me either. Really. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Glenn Mazzara, who is a guy who um, is a producer and like writer behind, um, not solely, but I mean, he's worked on The Walking Dead, developed that, okay. uh, developed The Shield along with, um, what's his name? Um, and also uh, Vaughn Wilmot, who's worked on uh, Star Trek Discovery and Prison Break, okay. uh, are going to be adapting um, the Elric saga, the Elric uh, Melvin Bone books Okay, Michael Moorcock. I don't believe they have a deal yet, but this is they are going to develop it. Elric is a uh, fantasy hero, a high fantasy okay. hero okay. in the vein of Conan, but like opposite. So like I imagine that Michael Moorcock, and I'm sure he's talked about this, but sat down and went, yeah, okay, I got it. Conan, he's loving the ladies. He's right. tan and big. My character is like a th- thin, sort of weakly uh, albino okay. who like is... Smart. Yes. And, I mean, he could fight. He's got like a cool sword, but he sort of gains his 
power through like kind of intelligence and magic and treachery and like sort of it's sort of a negative of Conan. Okay, sure. Um, it, that sounds intriguing. Um, and you don't know about it because there's never no. been like a real definitive. There's been comic books, okay, and things like that, but there's just never been a real um, definitive, like well done adaptation. I'm not saying there has to be, but, right? Um, these guys are going to take a shot at it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, fantasy is real hot right now. So, um, is it? I feel like it is. Is fantasy ever hot? I I feel like it is. Around um, the time of Excalibur, it was perhaps hot. Okay. Well, I just. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a scene where <laughs> he says, uh, the king says, I got to throw this sword in the lake. Okay. <laughs> and then he rides up. What's that scene? It's at the end of the. This is Excalibur, right? Yes. At the end, yes. they're like, you got to throw the sword yes. in the thing. He's like, okay. And he rides off. And he's like, wait a minute. And he rides back. Do I really have to throw the sword in the thing? Yes, you must throw yeah, the sword in the thing. Yes. Like, okay. And then he rides off and does it. I don't know. Yes. Um, People love that movie. I know. I love John Borman. I, I just, you know, Excalibur is not my favorite. No. But I think it was entertaining. Um, I don't know. I guess I just feel like maybe I'm, I'm just coming off of like, uh, you know, people being really psyched for Game of Thrones and stuff like that and people being hungry to find a replacement for that. Um, but I just kind of feel like like there's an Is Game of Thrones fantasy? I kind of think that it is. I know. Uh, it seems academic. I know there's ice zombies and dragons, but only in a very small part of it. Well, that's true. I it's guess mostly it's mostly like, a drama. Yeah. It's a medieval drama. Yeah. And a political show, um, and then okay. anybody can die. Yeah. So. All right. I don't know. Um, I I guess I that's what I was. Or at uh, least, or at least, TNT made it that. Well, yeah. No, that's <laughs> so it appealed to Netflix moms or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> well, here's something that'll appeal to those Netflix moms. Oh my goodness! Looks like Frank Miller has signed a deal with Legendary Pictures and Robert Rodriguez to develop a Sin City television show. Oh boy. Okay, um, I think this is going to be very popular with a certain set of people. Um, <laughs> will it? I feel like it will I be. I feel like even misogynists are like, oh boy, Frank Miller fell off. <laughs> um, I feel like there are definitely certain people who are big fans of those films so and the comic books. So I think there is a somewhat of a built-in audience for that. But I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think... The the way that the, those comic books, um, you know, were written and everything, it, it has to be R-rated, doesn't it? I mean... Oh, yeah, but it's streaming TV is that's all, true. all guns off. Right. All bets off? I have no idea. Open fire? Open fire, fire, open season? Yeah, open uh, season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, I, I think that it maybe would even get some people who haven't seen the films before. And then they would go back and see the films. Possibly. We'll see. Yeah. It's it's funny because it can run off the rails so quickly. Yeah. Um, noir in general. If you look at the, the, the classic noir films of the 40s, you go, well, I wish that uh, the women had more to do. Yeah. Um, but I guess they're okay. And then if you take the sort of amped up meth guzzling uh, noir of Sin City. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I wish the women were wearing more clothes and had more to do. Yeah, that's true. Um, horse, 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 horse. Yes. So, yeah, you know, we'll see. Yeah. And I don't think that we've seen that Robbie Rodriguez, I did it again. Robbie Rodriguez is an artist. Yes. Robert Rodriguez is a filmmaker, okay. although I'm sure his friends call him Robbie. 
uh, he has no ability to rein in or dilute the impulses of the famous people he works with. See it, Alita Battle Angel. Okay. Well, uh, which yeah. he really could have made a, a Rodriguez film. I, I would have loved Spy Kids, the Alita film. You know, right? dumb it down. Fine. Yeah. But it just, you could see Cameron's jam hands all over that thing. I, I feel like I liked Battle Angel Alita more than like other people were giving it credit for. You know, like, yeah, I feel like it was better. Not, come on. Okay. Objectively. Maybe... <laughs> come on. Let's. All right. One great. Maybe it wasn't like the best film, but it was. <laughs> wow. Uh, I thought it was entertaining. The peacemaker. And I, You're I, a first child. That's weird. Wow. I thought it was better than uh, than people were saying it was. Uh, but, but that's what I've people said. Mixed things. Like people said yeah, it was terrible. People said it was good. So yeah. I agree with both those people. Yeah, it's okay. both terrible and good. Yeah. A couple more little news blips here. It looks like Apple has canceled a premiere of another one of their shows oh. in our ongoing Apple Watch. We're going to call it Apple Watch. Hi, very clever. Thank you. <laughs> Trademarked. Yeah. And it is uh, basically, it was a Samuel L. Jackson show. Okay. Um, he, I hope they paid him. I hope they did too. he'll come and get that check. Yeah. Uh, like Luke Cage coming to, get, come on, Dr. Doom, where's my money? Right. Uh, because he gets paid. Uh, it's called The Banker and it was basically, this is what Apple said. In a statement they said, last week some concerns surrounding the film were brought to our attention. We, along with the filmmakers, need some time to look into these matters and determine the next steps. Now, nobody mm. knows what they're talking about because they have not, they've declined to give further details. I'll tell you what it's about. It's about a true story. Uh, two African-American men hired a white man to be the face of a successful real estate and banking business in the 1960s. I think I've It's kind of like that Eddie Murphy sketch, only a film. I think and I saw an ad to it. Who's the, who's the other lead in that? I don't know the answer to that. I thought maybe it was like, I'm maybe I'm just remembering this wrong. I thought maybe it was somebody else he's worked with. So something else. clearly racially charged. Fascinating that it's a true story. Mm-hmm. Here you go, Apple. Oh, you dropped it. You immediately dropped it. Yeah, it's all over understand. the carpet. It's all over the carpet, Kevin. What? <laughs> what is can't. going on, Apple? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you think we got Lee Daniels. Let's what? take this story about uh, Watts or something like that. No, they don't. They're like, let's pick. It's like it's like there's a scene in the player. Do you know the player? Um, uh, like like the no, that's the entertainer. No, the movie, the player by Robert Altman. It is a movie where a bunch of movie, or at least in an early scene, a bunch of movie executives are all sitting down and trying to figure out like movie ideas, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the beginning of the movie is. Uh, just the uh, hero of the film, uh, arguably, uh, Tim Robbins, is just hearing pitches. And there are ridiculous pitches. I'm sure it's sort of parodic, but also a lot of stupid pitches come. Sure. <laughs> the Fast and the Furious yeah. uh, come across these guys' desks. Later, they go to a studio meeting, and one guy's like, we don't need writers. Look, he picks up a paper. He's like, uh, landslide in Guatemala. You know, we get a feel-good story. We get Jimmy Smith's. There you go. That's $50 million right there. And Okay. Tim Robbins makes fun of him for it. Uh, he says, like, who knew that all we had to do to improve the creative process was to get rid of the writers. Um, but it kind of feels like that to me. It kind of feels like they picked up a paper or they just Googled news and were mm-hmm. like, hmm, racial tensions. Hmm, me too. The the morning show or whatever. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I don't know where C came from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was... Uh, oh, Game of Thrones is going off. See, yeah, 
they're all bad ideas. It isn't yeah. like we collected enough good ideas until we had to make a network. It is this network launches in a year. What do we do? Yeah. Let's piss everybody off. Richard Gere is going to go on a shooting spree. I, it just sounds like a lot of bad ideas they all happening in one place. Are. So Here's a good idea. Lord mm. of the Rings already renewed for season two by Amazon. Okay. Well, we haven't seen Here's anything a yet. So. Bad idea. A Chinatown prequel series is in development at Netflix from David Fincher and Robert Town, the writer of the original movie. Okay. Forget it, do we... Mika. It's yeah. Netflix. Do we really need a prequel for We're going to see Jake Giddis on the force, probably. Right? He was a cop, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, but it's... All it's, things that were wonderfully suggested by the film and need no actual acting out in a current streaming series. I just... I just... Uh, You're mad. I, I Can I make you feel good? It. Yeah. Can I make you feel good? Listen to this. Let's see. A Marvel comic book recently... So let's see. <laughs> thanks for your <laughs> thanks for your confidence. Just being honest. A Marvel comic book just sold for a record amount of money at Uh-oh. an auction. Uh-oh. How much? This was... I'll get there. Uh, this was with Heritage Auctions. It was Marvel Comics number one. Okay. Very so first one. Very Human first. Human Torch coming on a thing. Guy shoots bullet on. Uh, okay. It sold for $1.26 million. Wow. Here's the grade. It's a 9.4, which is on the high end. of That's near mint. Right. Because is, 10 is mint, right? But, is yeah. that how it works? Okay. But I mean, nothing's 10. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, that's a lot of money. Uh, sure, it made one collector very happy. Um, what? Here's a question. Sure. I don't know if you know the answer to this. For auctions like that, where does the money go to? Like, what does it go to? Like, is That's... museums? I'll or answer your something? question. If you'll shut up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, the this comic was. I, I'm pretty sure that the guy that bought it is. You know, not alive. This is like his estate or whatever. Oh, okay. But it was bought uh, by a guy, a mailman, a Pennsylvania mailman, bought wow. it off a newsstand rack, uh, okay. and must have put it right away <laughs> because yeah. it's in nine point four condition. And this is <laughs> in a very, very old comic book. It was released in nineteen thirty nine, so it's wow. eighty years old. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know, it goes to the. Whoever owned it. And then it goes to, I'm sure, a private... Kevin Smith probably bought it, for all I know. Sure. It's not yeah. the most expensive ever sold. That would be an Action Comics number one, which oh. was sold for $3.2 million oh my gosh. in 2014. Get this. Hmm. On eBay. Really? Yeah. Now, I you can buy houses, cars. You can buy all kinds of stuff on eBay. But I did not realize This is that. so... First of all, so eBay at this point, it's like a casino, right? If you mm. go walk into a casino and drop a few um, tokens and the Kino machines and then you just go to the buffet, whatever. Right. When you come in and you win 50 grand at the blackjack table, a guy in a nice suit shows up and says, yeah. hey, how, how you doing? They say, I have to give you a room and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That must happen on eBay. As soon as you crack you know, $100,000 for an auction on a comic book, somebody must step in and go, I'm your eBay you know, representative uh, sort of go between. Yeah, that it you, must be. You've something got like a that. comic book that says it's nine point four, but we don't know if that's true that's or not. True. You have to verify the existence. Maybe somebody flies out and like gets their little um, jeweler's loop out and inspects <laughs> it. And then how yeah. do you? You don't just ship that thing first class medium mail. No, I don't think so. You <laughs> so have yeah, to have it protected. There are a lot of things yeah. I'm sure involved. Okay. Um. Wow, I didn't know you could do that with eBay. Why is it the new? It's the most expensive auction until 
uh, the 2020 sale of a season three or volume three of Marmalade Boy uh, DVDs. <laughs> that's, a, that's an inside joke. <laughs> I'm Mikan Hana. And I'm Caliban. And we're the hosts of the Sailor Noob Podcast. I'm the expert. And I'm the noob. You're talking into the wrong end of the microphone. Aye, aye. Okay. Every week we watch a new episode of Sailor Moon and learn about monsters, fashion, food, culture, and of course, the Sailor Warrior of Love and Justice, Sailor Moon. All right. Now, what is her rank? Is she an admiral or a rear admiral? Okay, shh, shh. The ad's almost over. We're a couple of magical people, and every week we moon prison power make up a new episode. Better midships. Study as she goes. Please stop that. Sailor Noob is available every Friday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Shiver me timbers. Two times the fun. Two times the oh action. Yeah. Two times the homoeroticism. <laughs> It's Double Team. Yeah. A 1997 film from Mandalay Pictures. Did you know Mandalay Pictures' icon is a tiger? Yeah. Is uh, that why there are tigers in this movie? I don't know. I mean, (laughs) it could be. Do you think that the tiger we see early on at the club is the same tiger that we see in the Coliseum? Is it at the club or is it in the zoo when Mickey Rourke's kid is killed? Oh, Spo- it, spoilers it was, for a movie that you probably shouldn't watch. It was it was at the the carnival. Yes. I think yes, you're right. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of like another movie that came out this year, which is a very similar plot. Is Face Off. Remember, the mid '90s were the invasion, the Hong Kong invasion. All mm-hmm. the Hong Kong filmmakers were whoop, jumping ship, going to America. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Hong Kong was going communist yeah, at the end of this, uh, the decade century and so they wanted to have freedom to continue to make the films sure uh the people like john Wu, people like um soy hark uh i'm forgetting a lot of names right now because not all of them went on to do a lot of stuff but anyway they had revolutionized hong kong cinema made mm-hmm. it its own little hollywood right and now they're over here mm-hmm. and they have to go through jean-claude van damme first <laughs> Kind of seems that way. Yes. Yeah. Like Hard Target, which we yeah. talked about already on the show. Yes. John Woo went on to make Face Off in 1997, a story that features a CIA agent trying to capture a master criminal who was responsible for the death of his son. Does any of this sound? And yeah. now I'm going to steal your son. Yeah. Same plot. It sounds very Only similar. Only one ends in a boat chase and the other ends with a tiger attack in the Roman Coliseum that's full of mines. Yes. <laughs> Which is more ridiculous? You tell me. <laughs> I so I remember seeing this movie. I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it on video like the same year. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it, go being excited because Dennis Rodman was in it. Okay. He's the other hand because yeah. I mean, it's the 90s. I just, know. We were excited about Dennis Rodman. Right. He's wearing, he wore a wedding dress to the premiere. Uh, yeah, right. Um, was that where he wore the wedding dress too? Maybe I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and then <clears throat> not having any idea what happens in it, not able to even repeat the plot back to you. <laughs> then I forgot all about it. Sure, as you do. And I re-experienced it today. Yes. In a big way. Yeah. And I still couldn't explain what happens in it. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on. I can tell movie. you the things that they ripped off for their pastiche, though. I can oh, tell sure. you that. Oh, sure. Yeah. So. 
weird they made it at the same time but weirdly a lot of it is face off like mm-hmm. i said there's a fight in mm-hmm. a maternity ward which is right from hard boiled yeah. which is 95 so he's just ripping off john woo uh-huh the middle act he goes to like a spy island prison yes which is the prisoner uh-huh that's literally the show the prisoner right i guess so yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> This, I got no, there's no parallel here, but the end takes place in the Roman Colosseum and they're fighting against each other and a tiger. Yes, with mines. I don't got anything for that. I don't know. Nope, nothing. Maybe they read the script for Ronan. (laughs) Maybe they did. Here's what these two movies have in common. Yes. They both involve CIA uh, officers uh, fighting uh, international European bad guys Mm -hmm. and they both have action scenes set in the Arles Amphitheater yes. in France. Yes. So weird. It's very strange. For like two or three years, for like two years, France was like, hey, uh, tax credits to shoot in Arles. I must. <laughs> you want to blow up the Van Gogh Cafe? Go for it. Right. Paint I know. the walls red, not yellow. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see you explain what happens in double team oh my god um where do you even begin uh we meet jean-claude van damme oh, we're going all the way through like it. uh character at the beginning and it's like he has this one mission left and then he can retire which is driving, driving a, truck a truck somewhere and they talk about how first of all all the license plates are french so he's not behind enemy lines here no but apparently the iraqis or somebody has stolen plutonium and he's driving a like a futuristic truck, and we are, yeah. I believe, led to believe that the plutonium, plutonium is on the truck. Oh, okay. So when he loses the trailer to the truck halfway yeah, through the, the chase, I thought, is that the plutonium? Right. But no. Well, and then he like somehow is able to jump a train. It, it can also the truck this, can jump in this truck, which from is a just like position. even more unbelievable than like a sedan. But anyway, like, that was his last big job. He yeah. did it, and then it's. Three years no, later. No need to simplify and make the last big job trying to bring in uh, Zodiac or whatever uh, uh, Mickey Rourke's character's name is. Right. And then it ends in failure. And we're like, well, we killed a lot of his men. You can retire now. Right. Why not just connect that? That's a good point. Continue. Um. So then it's three years later. And he's at home in like, was it L.A.? I don't even know. I don't know if they even said but he's at home. He has like this big, beautiful house that's like right on the ocean and it's got a pool and his wife is there. And, and his a wife, big, beautiful wife. Yeah. And she's pregnant. And then this guy from his past just like waltzes in and is like, hey, we need you back because so-and-so, the guy who Mickey Rourke is playing, I forgot the character's name. It was like Stavos or something like that. Stavros. Stavros. Uh, sounds like Davros um, from the Daleks. Anyways. Um, oh, they're both Greek. Yeah. Uh, he's like, he's back and you're the only one we know who can stop him. So we need you back and then you won't have to do it in, ever again. <laughs> and so he's been told, we just need you for 36 hours. And his wife is like, oh, 36 hours. I don't know if I can handle That's going to be rough. Yeah. Um. So... They go on this mission, and it's in a very public carnival. Um, and Stavros had like his wife or girlfriend or whatever shows up, and surprise, he's got a six year old kid. And like 
they get caught in the crossfire. There's this huge shootout. I don't know if other people get hurt, but they're definitely like running around scared. They definitely many um, many people are hurt. Yeah, they've definitely I'm put your mind to rest. There. Okay, definitely disrupted the peace. Uh, and in the fray, um, Stavros's wife or girlfriend, whatever, gets killed, and so does his son. And he uh, blames Jean Claude Van Damme's character for this, and he gets away. Um, and is it now? I've even forgotten. Like, so like he gets away. <laughs> I didn't want this to be the whole show, but here um, we are. And then like, does he like go and fight him again, or like how does how does he end up on the island again? <clears throat> he, he gets blown up. He gets blown. They up. fight in a maternity ward. Yeah, I know little, that. Little horse is going to miss my son. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They fight in a maternity ward at the beginning, Van and Dam then is, they do it later, too. Van Damme is... This movie's 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. Van yeah. Damme is uh, near-fatally wounded, and instead of just taking him to a regular hospital, he wakes up on... They this don't call it the island. island. Because, yeah. yeah, it's the colony, uh, which is actually... That's also from The Prisoner. I don't know if they paid for this, or they just ripped yeah, it off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the story. Not looking it up. And so, yeah, and the thing is, is that, like, when spies die, certain spies, I guess, yeah. they fake their deaths and they bring them here. They have to live here for the rest of their lives. They yes. live in relative ease, but they're also all contributing to a think tank. Yeah. And we like see with... one lame thing where <clears throat> there's a passenger jet that shot down over North Korea and everybody's ready to call it, uh, you know, the North Koreans' fault, which could lead to war or whatever. Right. And... You know, our hero, Jean-Claude, he has a different viewpoint and they figure out that it was actually the Americans tested a weapon and yeah. shot down. But then that doesn't become a gigantic international incident that an yes. American <laughs> experimental weapon downed a passenger jet. Yes. We just go, nice job, Jack. And we move on. I know. I guess I forgot to mention, too, he, he met Dennis Rodman before this and he is... Like, Dennis Rodman lives in Amsterdam because that's the freakiest. Yeah. No, Antwerp. Sorry. Antwerp. Yes. That's, yeah, because we're not we're not in Holland, even though there's a lot of Dutch angles in this film. <laughs> we're specifically in Belgium, I think, because of Jean-Claude. Van Damme. Yeah, and they would have said it in Brussels, but not enough uh, transsexual bars there. <laughs> this can we talk real fast? Yeah. I it, now speaking of North Korea. <laughs> Do you think he apologized when he met uh, Kim Jong Kim Jong Un? Uh, Jean Claude. Hey man, I'm sorry about saying you're the bad guys in Double Team. I, I doubt the it. The worm can confirm. <laughs> the worm. That's what he was called. Uh, anyway, uh... so uh, yeah, we all loved his crazy antics, and I bet in a lot of ways he helped push forward like trans acceptance. Oh yeah, Rodman. Sure. Mm-hmm. But probably not. I, I mean. I don't think people thought of it that way. Probably didn't. But it's think just of it weird, and all of his, um, like his his um, assistants, and who are all working on his guns and his like gun lab. Yeah, they're all uh, cross dressers and or, or drag queens or whatever. And right. so there's like this interesting environment going on. Which, but we for don't 1997, you yeah, you'd have to have something. You'd have to have. There's one little thing where somebody's like, "Ooh, you're a snack," to like uh, to Van Damme, and he's just kind of like, "Yeah." <laughs> He's sleepwalking through a lot of this film. Yeah, he is. Um, Where are we in the recap? Um, I I think he's on Spy Island, and 
and he sees that Stavros has left him a secret message like, I've got your butterfly. And his wife has a butterfly tattoo on his back. So obviously it means his wife. He freaks out and is like, I got to escape. Oh, and he, there's this wonderful um, <laughs> training montage where he's like, like doing exercises in the doorway and lifting up bathtubs. A with training water montage in, it. in a Van Damme film is not out of place, but this no. is this is special. Describe it. Adjectives given um, to me. It is ridiculous. It is uh, it the horniest one? It might be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think I've seen hornier. Well, We've seen a lot of Van Damme films. Yeah, we have. It's just goofy. It's really goofy. It's like, how am I supposed to take this guy seriously? Like, there's no weights around, so he's like, I'm making my own weights. Somewhere he gets a a pail, a yes. bucket. Like, look, just bought it from Bachman's, like a metal pail yeah. with the sticker still on it. And he fills it with... Like rocks or something? Landscaping gravel. Yeah. yeah. Rocks. Fine. And he's that's strengthening his kicks or whatever. Yes. And then he fills up his bathtub like his sort of mm-hmm. modern looking bathtub with water yes so first of all it's already marble and it's filled with water like that's i know be heavy bathtub and yeah and then he, so he's lifting it up and it's like okay that kind of makes sense that's an exercise but then he also does the thing where he strips his bed sheet and turns it into like a like a tension rope or a tether yes. so he's got that like around his neck yes and then he's going like Ooh. and then at one point we see him from behind and he's sort of like thrusting and like water's <laughs> flying out and yes yeah it's goofy it's really goofy and then he escapes but there's like lasers in the water yeah, so he's got to like he's got to tame it right, time it just right yep um it cuts the skin off of his finger yes so uh, to to fool the fingerprint sensor yes which right and then he gets in the back of a c-130 and climbs up a, a cargo bag uh-huh living daylights timothy dalton james bond movie yes seen that yeah <laughs> but he's still a good guy because as he's beating up the guys in the plane, one guy's hanging on the thing and he's like, I'm going to get you. And he's like, are you wearing a parachute? And he's like, and the guy yes. Goes, yes. <laughs> like you so just he... answer somebody in the middle of a fight. And right. He's like, okay. And, and he takes him off. off. He's finding yeah. a parachute. Right. Exactly. A lot of that, <laughs> we are deep into deathbed territory here. Yeah, we are. Because a lot of the stunts in this are actually really good from what you can see. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge Soy Hark fan. I think it's telling that his this is the big the biggest he ever got for and his star he did that DMX movie I guess I think that was him remember was that Ringo Lamb anyway I don't know his star fades after this and I don't know what he's doing now yeah he's probably doing directed video movies with Van Damme on Amazon probably. Prime which, yeah. which I want to watch yeah but he won't he refuses to just capture the action everything is some Dutch angle some weird camera move there was a lot of like aerial shots yeah like he when he finally spoiler reaches his wife and like sort of saves her and they reunite we're seeing the top of his bald spot i don't know why like why are we doing that i don't know this should be a warm moment yeah it should but there were a couple things that were set up to really impress you um and one of those was that's all that plane stuff was real they didn't the the living daylights one faked Uh, okay (laughs) it's all just on a soundstage okay a lot of that was real and then when he throws the guy out and the guy parachutes he's fighting the other guy and in the background you see the guy in his parachute floating away still across the water yeah it's true So that was all it could have been it was shot in one take but they didn't edit all the the takes together you know into one take so okay it's a lot of effort for 
double team. I know. And a lot of bad basketball puns. It's so many bad puns. Did you know puns. that Rodman mainly, you know, worked defense, right? I gathered that. He wasn't from much the of film. a scorer. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know that now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, so then he does eventually team up with Rodman and, uh, and some monks. And they some go monks. to Rome. Some First cool of all, monks. they go to Rome. <laughs> To, to figure out what's going on because they don't know what's going on. Mm. They know that the baby will be due soon. Yes. Also, it's his wife's birthday, but that gets dropped. That does get dropped. I You're guess right. now his kid and his wife have the same birthday, but I that guess. just kind of got dropped. Yeah. Oh, should I mention this whole t- this whole time, Belloc, <laughs> Paul Freeman, is chasing him around yes. because he was his friend on the island, but once you escape the island, they send they somebody have a after guardian. you, which does not seem like a good plan. No. How about those guys don't come back? And so... He's out there somewhere, and he disappears for most of the film he until does. he shows up at the end. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So they go to Italy to figure out what the plan is, and he says he doesn't have a plan, so that's going to help them. And he yeah. dresses up like... A weird hippie? He dresses up like he's in... He, like he's a... French um, parkour movies became the rage around the turn of that decade. Uh-huh. So he dresses like he's that. He's like got the... Round glasses, yes. and he's semi-homeless, but he's got like a. Uh, he looks like he's gonna break dance or something. So he's doing that crazy wig. He sends this email, which is clearly says fax on the screen, yeah, out to all the intelligence agencies. So they send everybody. They send yeah the CIA, the Mossad, the KGB. Everybody's right. there, and so that's a problem. And then there's this huge suit uh, shoot up in some famous piazza who's the name I don't know right many civilians die yes we, we he chases some people around we give him a chance to actually do a little kung fu and he fights like a kung fu guy yes uh, who, in like, a scene that again would have been a lot better if I could tell what was going on yeah <laughs> kicks his shoe whoa <laughs> kicks his shoe I know and then somehow yeah he ends up with Dennis Rodman with some monks who are cyber monks because he's given them computers yes this is all this is a movie this is real I know this all happens I know and then they use like the catacombs to get into the castle, which is also a hospital where his baby yes. is being born. Yes. Uh, they clumsily just kind of fight through that. Nothing really stands out about that sequence. Uh, reunites with his wife, and Rodman comes in. He's like, I'll take care of him. Don't worry about it. Great. Smash cut to the amphitheater coliseum. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Arl's amphitheater standing in for, I guess, the Roman coliseum. I think so. No indication of how we found him or tracked him to the I know, Coliseum. right? Smash. I was just thinking about fight, that. Fight. Face it straight. Time mm-hmm. to fight. Mm-hmm. So he goes in and he's fighting Mickey Rourke, who wants you to know he's been working out. He's got his shirt off. Yeah. And he has planted mines all around the floor of the amphitheater. Yeah. Marked with crosses. And he's got Van Damme's baby. baby. And then as if that weren't enough, here comes a tiger. And then also, yeah, men are strong, but tigers are stronger. Yeah. Let's go for a rewrite on that one. And so I know. I guess the tiger from the zoo imprinted on him. He was like, I remember a tiger. I'm going right. to have a tiger. Right. Mandalay Bay. Right. Uh, yeah. So the tiger comes out and <laughs> chases Van Dam all around the place. And then right when Van Dam's goose looks like it's cooked, here comes Rodman. Simon, yes, comes back. On a motorbike, I'll take care of her. I know. <laughs> Where is she? I know. <laughs> so he grabs the baby. He hides the guy's baby and can't find it later, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um. I don't know. He also moves some of the crosses around, so yeah. Mickey Rourke gets hoisted by his own petard, literally. Yes. And 
I thought I remember watching him having a good one-liner or something, but he doesn't. The tiger mm-hmm. rushes him, and so he explodes. The tiger, who's the tiger, didn't ask for this. No, I know. And then they're all running out, and apparently these mines aren't just anti-personnel. Apparently they're nuclear mines. I know. The, the entire Coliseum blows up. Yes. And oh, I forgot. Uh, Paul Freeman shows up, and he's found the baby. Yeah. But it's cool. But but he's cool now. So now they're running out as the entire Coliseum is blowing up. Yes. And they run past a line of Coke machines. Yes. And they all get behind one. And Dennis Rodman holds it as the power of Coke Uh protects them from this nuclear explosion. Which I think is probably the most creative product placement I have ever seen in a film. It's definitely the most product placement. (laughs) This is like the third time Coke, at least. Third or fourth time that Coke has shown up in this movie. Um, But... That was pretty ridiculous, and I could not stop laughing. Yep. So. And then at the very end, he's a magician, I guess, because at the very uh, right. end, we planted the coin thing before. I don't know why. I know. At the very end, Paul, it's not like Paul Freeman's, he pulls a gun on him, and it's like, well, I saved your life, but now I got to kill you. Right. He's like, just give me some of your hair. And I don't know why that's a thing, shirt. your DNA, I guess. Yeah. And then part of your shirt. And then before Van Damme can complete this completely reasonable request, yeah. Robin's like, Check this out. And he throws this coin down and it does a ninja smoke bomb effect. Yeah. And Van Damme pulls away. But he's left somehow the hair and clothes. I know. So instead it's just like, oh, that was a neat, unnecessary trick. Great. And then they, uh, they're going to be friends or something. And he's like, toodaloo. And he's like, toodaloo. Is that a white people thing? Right. This is before white people, I think. We've, you know, white people. Right. Uh, And that's the end. Yeah, and then Robin's just left standing there. Oh, they're going to blame this on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and probably some other line. I couldn't understand half his lines. He needs to enunciate a little more. Yeah, a Not little a movie bit. star. No. Not a movie star. Um, And then there was at one point. No, there's no more. <laughs> okay. No, no, there's what? What? <laughs> the, the parachute out of a plane, and the parachute is a giant blue basketball. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Because he's an arms dealer. No. Uh, would you recommend this film? Um, if you are, a you're genre, riding the high right now. Yeah. If, you, if I asked you tomorrow, would you recommend this? Maybe film? not. Uh, <laughs> but if you're a Jean Claude Van Damme fan, uh, I would say see it. This is so when we did our uh, Jean Claude Van Damme mm-hmm. shows a few months back, this is where I drew the line because we were yes. go, doing going through films and we got to 1996, and I was like, when we hit 97, it's double team. But I don't think that we should do that because I think it's it's the beginning of like. The, them pairing him up with people yeah not himself right because he's not enough i guess uh until we get i guess um sudden impact or big drop or there, there's i'm a fireman what's yeah. the hockey one uh sudden sudden death yeah which <laughs> of course of course that's not the name yeah is. so i thought no let's stop at double team but mm-hmm. now we have gone to the double team now we have we've gone past it yeah. so um it's a hoot it it is a hoot. Um, I I think there are some parts that make it really entertaining. I just wish that they knew how dumb it was because maybe they would have made it better and dumber. Maybe funnier. Yeah. yeah. But I don't That's think absolutely true. One of Van Damme's great shortcomings is that it took twenty years for him to be able to laugh at himself. Yeah. I'm and all we got out of it was JCVD. That. Yeah. And that crappy Amazon show. Yeah. What's the next film that we're talking about? Uh, Ronan. <laughs> yes. Can I take the lead on this one? Yes. Uh, I love this film. This mm-hmm. is a great film. Um, I'm not sending you there necessarily, but there is a podcast called Friendly Fire where they talk about war movies. 
and they have a term for the kind of film that you can't explain it. It's probably not a good film, but it's just that like man comfort food. You know, mm, mm, mm. they call it a pork chop movie. It's okay. the kind of movie where you grill up a pork chop, you get a beer, sit down in your TV tray, each pork chop, watch this movie. And that's that's what it is. Yeah, I and hear you. I felt bad for liking it, not because there's anything wrong with it, but just like, you know, there's not a lot of like emotional intelligence in the film. It's mostly just spy dudes. Kind of bro Kind of, yeah, kind of uh, preening at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, having watched it, uh, I watched it in the theater when it came out. Having watched it again now in the theater, no, it's just a, it's just a really great movie. Like mm-hmm. it's John Frankenheimer, at the height of his powers as a filmmaker, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's, you know, he's he, okay. He's the car chase guy. I get yeah. it, but he's also he's putting all that in. But he's got a, a great script. Um, he's got a great idea. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the screenwriter got this idea from reading. Shogun, like James Clavell's Shogun. Okay, sure. Which, in a lot of ways, is kind of about a Ronin. Mean, it's not about a white guy, uh, but it's about like <laughs> right. honor and stuff like that. And so, he saw in the geopolitical situation of all these operatives sort of being let loose from the Cold War. Like, what do they do now? They're right. cut off. And yeah, they were like the modern Ronin, if you will, people mm-hmm. without a lord, without a state. And so he came up with this idea of this guy. trying to navigate that world Mm -hmm. and that is the basis of it and immediately instead of just oh i'm natasha well actually literally her name's natasha so bad choice but (laughs) i am i am miss soviet and you are uh brock samson right cock tease it's kind it's that but it's more ambiguous because nobody knows anything about each other they're all got together for this job it's kind of a heist movie part of it's a heist movie yeah but they can't trust each other because they don't know anything about each other, they're very cagey, and they all, they all like almost all, every interaction starts with some kind of question. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, "Where'd you learn skills like that?" You know, right. or like, "What kind of gun do you use?" Or "Where are you from?" Right. And everybody's trying to be, you know, keep their secrets mm-hmm. because it could um, be the thing that keeps them alive. And yeah. I love that. Uh, the, he doesn't do it annoyingly or continually but Robert Duvall has a lot of questions because immediately he knows that like not all these people are uh, real pros Mm -hmm. and he doesn't want to he wants the money but he doesn't want to put himself in a situation where he's going to get shot for nothing and so she's like we're going to attack him there's maybe five guys and two cars and he's like where are the cars going to be is it outside inside city country right what's in the case right and like every scene he just throws in a little what's in the case yeah yeah yeah. a couple more questions what's in the case right because <laughs> he just wants to know what's in this case yes he doesn't give it up yeah for, for sure i mean if you have I, I, let's not ruin this one i don't want to ruin it no but i don't want to ruin it either robert de niro plays a like <clears throat> a former cia um agent mm-hmm. um at one point he's described as on the run so we don't know how much trouble he's in but now right. he's a mercenary mm-hmm. and he meets up with a bunch of other mercenaries all got together by Natasha McElney McElnone I don't know how to say her name yeah uh, and Deidre yes yeah. well she has as um, Sean Bean points out a uh, an Irish lilt so I wonder who she works for right and she's got these all, the, all these guys together and the job is we're gonna get this case yes who from 
I'll tell you, you, you don't need to know right now. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the case. Uh, and so they need to put together this team. And it becomes clear that they're all smart. Jean Renault, you know, he says he can get you something. He can. He's the procurer. Yeah. You've got Larry, who doesn't look like much of a spy, but the dude can drive. Yeah. You've got um, Dr. Selvig from Thor. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. He's the computer whiz, you mm-hmm. know. And then you've got Sean Bean, and he's supposed to be the gun guy. But yeah. he's the Sean Bean character, so he's going to be a little twitchy. <laughs> And it's, you, it, there's just so many aspects to this film. There's all the cool tradecraft stuff that you get from, like, reading Tom Clancy novels. Yeah. There's this weird, like, bro sort of uh, work marriage that grows between uh, De Niro and uh, Jean Renault. You know, mm-hmm. they realize it's like you get into a group of strangers and you realize, okay, this is the guy. I, th- I can trust this guy. Yeah, he has my back. Yeah. And so yeah. They're, they're both connected. You get, um, there's a lot of twists. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a million car chases. Yeah. It's it's just great. It's just a great movie. It is a and great movie. I, you know, I've never thought too much about how Frankenheimer does stuff, but there are so many things in here that are maybe a little self-conscious, but are just really great, cool setups. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to you earlier about, there's a part near the end where um, they're in this um, ice they go to these ice capades. Yeah. And Katarina Witt, who's a Olympic gold yes. medalist, uh, it plays the ice dancer or whatever. Yeah. Plays herself, basically. Yes. And so she's skating around like this real rink in yes. this real ice theater, uh, amphitheater, uh-huh. with 2,000 extras. And yes. it's all b- being filmed. None mm-hmm. of its tricks. There's no CGI back then. So it's just 2,000 people. Frankenheimer with a megaphone, I assume. And it's like, okay, reset. Bob, start walking up the stairs for a yeah. little shot where he walks up the stairs. Yes. Or later on, we see her on a TV screen. It's probably pre-recorded, but right. still, like, the coordination of all those elements. There's some great shots. There's, um, I love when Jonathan Price, who uh, shows up in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, is talking to, he meets um, Deidre in the, uh, in in the, the metro, s- the Paris metro. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're going up the escalator and they're having their spy conversation and he, and he's you know, centered in the frame, sort of like, you know, Gollum, like clawing at her. Yeah. And you just see like part of her eye, like her face yeah. in the upper corner, just like staring into the camera. Uh-huh. So you get the idea that like he's, he controls her. Yes. And that she's possibly afraid of him. Yeah. Which we learn is true later on in the film. Uh-huh. And even the car chases like do a great job of like communicating emotion. Um, there's a car chase near the end where one person is driving after her. She's like being chased and she should have been the driver. She's actually a pretty good driver. She's pretty good, yeah. But she start unlike Larry, she starts creating like more and more chaos and problems for herself because she's making these like dangerous decisions. Mm-hmm. And she starts off being very they're all very professional and blank, you know, as they're driving. Yes. But like Frankenheimer keeps going back to her face and her eyes, and you see more and more that she is losing control of this chase. Like yeah. she doesn't now, she doesn't know where she's going. She mm-hmm. runs over a guy on a motorcycle mm-hmm. and feels bad about that. And now she's like in a market, and now she's going the wrong way on the um, and the on the uh, Paris uh, highway or whatever. Yes. And and yeah, it's uh, rarely you get emotion. You get like the character development during a car chase. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a really well done car chase too. And I mean, I know you mentioned that the director is he's kind of the car chase guy, but you you can tell why in this movie because um, it just like you said it adds to it and it adds to the emotional weight of the character. Yeah, I don't know if it was um, 
that he you know he directed French Connection two and Friedkin William Friedkin directed uh, French Connection one, which is of course got those great car chases in it. So mm. I don't know if it was just like. Well, you know, French Connection 1 has the car chases, and then uh, Frankenheimer's like, hold my steering wheel, and I'm going <laughs> to like make Ronin the car chase movie everybody talks about. Right, right. Um, and I think it, one thing about this film that is really great, too, and you, you touched on this, is like, there's so many twists, and there's so many, like, we don't know if we can trust this person, you know, and it's like you're being forced to trust these people because you're you're doing a job together. You're you're depending on each other for your welfare and also to, uh, you know, get your objective, which is to get the case, which you know, is to you is useless. It just it's everybody wants to know what it, it's literally a MacGuffin. Yes, in that you want what you want is the money that this person will give yes. you for getting this thing, and yes. whoever you have to. There are a lot of civilian casualties in this film. There are <laughs> some from our a lot from of our heroes. Die. Yeah. yeah, but like none of that makes uh, none of that matters at all because the objective is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, the ends justify the means. And great sound in the movie too. Yeah, it's partially the theater has a, a really good sound system. Um, the print was not great. It was a little. It's probably like a seventy-five percent quality print. Um, and kind of went out uh, once or twice. There's just uh, missing frames. Um, so it definitely that print has uh, made the rounds, but the sound was still great. Yeah. There was like one like yellow line in the, in the frames <laughs> yeah, at the well, very beginning of the film. That. But, yeah. you know, what can you do? So, but it was, it was really enjoyable. Funny. Yeah. Funny movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. I, I've seen this movie before <laughs> and it was really enjoyable watching it again. And yeah. And like you said, De Niro, I think he, he delivers most of the comedic lines, I think. And you're just reminded that like, not only is he a great dramatic actor, he's a great comedic yeah, actor. Yeah. This is too. great mid period De Niro. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing now, but like this the is, Irishman, this is <laughs> just before well, this might've been right. Or, no, this is just before, uh, Meet the Parents. Yes. Uh, which is, the first one's funny. Yeah, you know, it we, is funny. We know he's got comedy chops. But yes. Yeah, the, the, he, there's there's so much tension. We didn't even talk yeah. about the scene in RLM Amphitheater. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah, I know, right? But yeah, um, but I just love his little comments on things. And, and there's all these little emotional sort of power plays because she, they're a bunch of old, you know, d- d- spy dudes. Yeah. And there's this one willowy like woman who's trying to keep them all in line. And to do that, she has to act real tough. But she's a good enough actress that we see that it's a lot of bluster sometimes. It's weighing on and her. And he keeps pushing her because he's like, this plan sucks. And she's like, are you scared? He's like, yeah, of course I'm scared. Do you think I'm reluctant because I'm happy? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds great. We get this one moment like while they're all in like the hotel, I think in Nice. And like we see a close up on her and she's like in the bathroom kind of like looking at herself in the mirror. Yeah. And it's like she's kind of like psyching herself up for like, Going back out there, like game face on, yeah, you know, to have so. to, to deal with them, yeah, yeah. And after they're like first, they go off to get some guns from uh, the gun sellers, and the yeah. whole thing is just that goes a shit show, real bad. And so they all come back, and they're all kind of shaken. And then De Niro's like, "You're giving us all more money, or we all walk, because because <laughs> of Sean being over here, it's amateur hour. So I want a hundred thousand. Right. We all got a hundred thousand, and a hundred thousand when we're done, or it's it's over. Right. And she just waits like five seconds, and then just turns around. And starts dialing on her phone. Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess we won that one. Right. <laughs> just like this subtle moment that you could have written some dumb line, but it's just clear that it's like, okay, that power struggle was won yeah. by uh, this guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, just a very entertaining film. And, uh, you know, I think it's uh, 
I mean, would you consider it to be kind of like a, a spy thriller, or are they more like <laughs> yeah. okay? Yeah. No, no, I want to hear the plan B. I don't, I don't know. What don't was know. the other option? I don't know what the other option. No, I is. think it's a high fantasy. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but it leaves me with one question. Yeah. What color is the boathouse at Hereford? <laughs> I don't know. How long can we do that? Yeah. Keep that going. Yeah. The music in this is great, I have to say. I enjoy it anyways. We're talking about The Mandalorian. Yes. Ever heard of it? Yeah, I think everybody's heard of it. I think everybody has, yeah. Available now on Disney Plus, the streaming network. It's at a 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. um, fairly roundly liked. Yes. We're going to uh, discuss put our it. Two, we're going to tear that down. No, uh, <laughs> we're going to put our two cents in, though. Uh, the brainchild of John Favreau, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, I was, I guess I knew or had read or when it was talking, they were talking about developing and I knew that he was um, a big part of it. But this really is from top to bottom kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, the other directors that they're bringing on, like Rick Famuyiwa and Bryce Dallas Howard, I'm sure, like they all have to go get the blessing from from Favreau. Uh, from Pope John, yeah, uh, because his visual style is a is a big part of this. Uh, the creator, um, the writer of every episode we've seen so far, I'm mm-hmm. guessing every episode, and uh, yeah, what what happens in the Mandalorian? Uh, well, the Mandalorian follows uh, Mandalorian, played by uh, Pedro Pascal. And maybe, as, yeah, well, as part of uh, the the lore and the truth, I guess, behind Mandalorians, they never take their helmets the off. Yeah, it's the way. Um, and so he is, I think, like all Mandalorians, a bounty hunter. And Mandalorians have a reputation for being really tough and probably some of the best, if not the best, bounty hunters. And at uh, the very beginning of the first episode, he goes and picks up a bounty uh, somewhere, and he has this place within his ship where he just... Like, Played inc- by uh, uh, Horatio Sands, by yeah, the way. Yeah, where he like encases all of his bounties in carbonite, so this is just... Become... Do the recap, we'll complain later. Okay, all right. Um, so he... Um, Brings his bounties in to, uh, um, uh, oh my goodness, uh, Carl Weathers, and uh, he gets. You had to reach for Carl. I Weathers. had to reach for Carl Weathers. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, and so he's like, he pays him and everything, and he gets uh, his new assignment, and he gets he has to go see um, uh, Werner Herzog, and. Uh, <laughs> He's so funny to say still. I I know. Uh, I, you and are the best he, bounty hunter. Yeah, and he gets there, and this guy, you know, clearly. You don't have to go scene by scene. Oh, okay. Uh, he gets he gets this bounty, and he goes and uh, he goes off to this this other remote island. Let's get all the important details. Okay. Carl Weathers sends him to Werner Herzog. Yeah. And it, this is the door opens. And we see four stormtroopers. Yes. This is set after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So the Empire... Has fallen. Administratively. Yes. But there are still Empire elements. 
I, I know I need to complain, but we got to get done with this plot summary. Uh, there are still Empire elements out there, and yeah. Werner Herzog is one of them. Yes. And so, yeah, so he sends him on a mission. Uh, Mando don't care. Right. Mando don't give a shit. Right. He's just going to do the job. Right. But and yeah. he pays him a little bit. He's working for the Empire. Yeah, he paid him a little bit uh, ahead of time for as incentive. He's, and he's being like, paid in Beskar steel. Which is was uh, the currency of the Mandalorians, we it, find out. Well, yeah. More or less. Yes. And they can melt the money down to make parts it's not of money. <laughs> oh, it's not money? It, no, the metal is... Just as if, like, we had an egg-based currency where I gave you eggs, uh-huh. you wouldn't, like, crack open the eggs and then make money out of it. Like, the egg is the money. The metal is the money. I guess we're going to do it right now. Mascara. I opened up Wikipedia for this. So okay. shut up and let me finish. Okay. Beskara is the traditional metal used to in Mandalorian iron to make the Mandalorian's armor. So sure, they could get credits if they had a full suit of armor, but the Mandalorians after the purge aren't doing all that hot. Mm-hmm. So they are liter- for, so to get paid with Beskar steel, that is the best thing because that means that you can use it to reconstruct your Mandalorian armor, which right. is a form of honor. This is a very tribal thing. Yes. And because we can't see their faces, nobody can get mad that they're probably all white. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I know Pedro Pascal is Latinx, but right. I'm just saying, like, you want to have, like, we were talking before, about, like, oh, is a shaman is going to do this. Yeah. So like, okay, yeah. do we want to do that? But yeah. I guess you can just have the Mandalorians be like, Mm, we have all these rituals and a warrior's armor and spear are very important. It's like, well, if they never take their helmets off, then I know. I guess it's not anything face. Yeah, I guess it's not. Um, we'll just accept it as is. Yeah, but that's what he's being paid in. Yes, and he was paid. Yeah, so he the the uh, the Empire guy promises him like a ton of this. Yes, stuff. if he brings a bounty home, right? Um, and he get it, to the bounty. Okay, uh, so he gets to the planet, and uh, the guy who helps him is voiced by Nick Nolte. He's like, you have to learn how to ride a blurg for these... He is an Ugnaught. An Ugnaught? Yes. Okay. Have we seen Ugnaughts before in, in Star Wars? In, we've seen all of these things before in Star okay, Wars. All right. in, in Return of the Jedi, yes. Okay. Uh, and he helps him get to the town where the bounty is, and he's like, "I just want it gone because uh, my my planet was a peaceful planet, or my valley at least was a peaceful valley before this thing was here. I right. want it like, gone." D- bounty hunter after bounty hunter has come in after this thing, and they've all failed. Yes, but and, he, but Nick Nolte's got a good feeling about Pedro Pascal because he's a Mandalorian. He's a Mandalorian. Uh, he gets there and he sees a bounty droid voiced by Taika Waititi, and he's like, "Ugh, great!" So it's he an IG model droid. He does not like droids in general. So he, which do we ever get a? I guess well, I yeah. mean, we kind of do, but yeah. I think that hating droids is just a reference. Okay, uh, in Star Wars, we'll so, get to all the references later. Right. He gets down there. He talks to the droid. He's like, "Is this torture? Should I what? not make you do this?" Uh, well, I don't know. Seems like a, I don't know. <laughs> It seems like a lot of work. Uh, he, I'll just finish it. it okay. I'm almost done. Well, the, the first episode. Yeah. We got uh, two more to go. Well, do we have to do all three? Um, the description of all of them? Keep going. Okay. Um, so then, like, he uh, talks to the droid, and they work a deal out that they'll split the bounty, uh, and they're shooting at all the guys who are shooting at them. Um, and... Uh, he, uh, Long story short, they find the bounty. And it is... 
it, as has as been, the entire world, as we were the last to find out. Right. Everybody. You already know. Baby it was Yoda. a baby Yoda. Yeah. Uh, and supposedly he's 50 years old, but he just looks like a baby. Which is dumb. Just make him a baby. Yeah, we get it. They live a long time. Does yeah. that mean that like when Yoda, I know this isn't Yoda, but when Yoda Yoda was 400, he's like, have pubes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't why don't they just live a long time, yeah, right? Right, so, exactly. Well, this is when we get to the complaints. This is going to be one of mine. Yeah. Episode two. I got it. Okay. Uh, his blurg has run away and the IG droid is dead by his own hand. So yes. now the Mandalorian must himself take this baby Yoda to the Roberto Herzog. Yeah. And feed it to the bears. Yeah. And so he has to walk back. A lot of walking in this Star Wars show, a yes. friend of mine said. Uh, he gets back, he, well, as on his way back, he's attacked by other bounty hunters. It becomes clear to him that Werner Herzog has hired not just him. Mm-hmm. Well, after juicing him up like that, he's hired a lot of people to do yeah. this. But they're scrubs. He disintegrates them, no problem. Yeah. He gets back to his ship. He finds out that Jawas, I yes. didn't know we were on Tatooine. Yeah. Jawas have stripped his ship. Mm-hmm. He has a f- kind of funny but like fruitless uh, fight, fight with, with them. them. Yeah. Uh, and eventually uh, they get away with all the parts of his ship. Yes. He makes his way back to Nick Nolte's place. Nick Nolte says, I'll I'll go between for you with the Jawas. Mm-hmm. Goes back to the Jawas. The Jawas say, all right, fine, we'll give you parts back. Actually, it sounds like this. Oh, Dibby! Uh, <laughs> if you get us the, the egg. egg. Yes. <laughs> Which isn't anything cool. No. I'll spoil it right now. It's just an egg. Yeah. Uh, he says, okay, fine. He goes off to fight the beast mm-hmm. uh, that has this egg. It's called a mud horn because we can only have so much creativity in this show. <laughs> uh, it's about to kill him in this kind of knockdown drag out fight where he uses all his weapons. And Baby Yoda uses the force to levitate yes. it because, of course, it does. Um, so and then Baby Yoda, the like, falls asleep. The Baby Yoda, like, passes out yes. from the effort, I guess. Because that's a thing. Brings the egg back. The Jawas unceremoniously immediately eat it. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Gets his parts back. And apparently you can just snap a spaceship together because Nick Nolte and him do it in a long night. Yes. Flies back. And the baby's playing with stuff. And he's kind of like, eh, this baby's not so bad. Uh-huh. But a bounty's a bounty. Right. Exactly. Should we do episode three together? Uh, sure. He, episode three. He, he gets, gets back to unnamed planet. Yes. Which probably has a name. Yes. That I'm not looking up. Where he originally left from. And Carl he, Weathers. Yeah, and he goes back to Werner Herzog and... Oh, you have the baby. And he brings the baby and the weird scientist guy is right there too. And um, he's like, what are you going to do with it? And the Werner Herzog is more or less like, oh, here's your money. How f- how I think we're done. How uncharacteristic. Yes. That you would ask that. <laughs> the guild rules say that you shouldn't. And he gives him just a just a playing card deck's worth of yeah. steel, like a ton of steel. Yeah. So um, Mandalorian, one last wistful look at the baby. Yep. Goes back to the Enclave. Yes. And gives him all the steel. There's a little barracking around where the other Mandalorians are like, kind of jealous. Where'd you get all this cool steel from? Yeah. And apparently there's a thing where they only leave one at a time. Um, only one can yes. be out at a time. Because they don't want people to know. Because they don't want people to know there. that yes, and that they're they want to keep their numbers sort of secret because mm-hmm. apparently they were all killed or supposedly they're all killed. Right. Which is weird because he's always out. He, he goes is. to Carl Weathers and goes, "Give me four jobs." Yeah. So is it just being seen? As long as he leaves the planet, then another guy can leave. That's okay. 
I almost made it. I would be mad at the Mandalorian too. We're all trapped in these tunnels and can't leave if you're gone all the time. Right. I want to use the car. Right, right. But anyway, he uses the steel to make it a whole suit now. So he's all cool looking the Mandalorian. Yeah. And he goes back to Carl Weathers and he's like, give me another. Yes. And uh, he's like, well, you know, we've got jobs, this, jobs, that, whatever. And he basically uh, has a conscience change of heart because this is a Western. Yeah. And you always double back. Yep. He goes back to uh, your sister. Werner Herzog. You take over. Okay. And uh, he's like, I'm going to get Baby Yoda back. So he um, he breaks off the security eye. No, at no, the no, that matters. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm going to do it. He, he, he goes back to Werner Herzog's thing. He kills everybody yes. with his whistling birds. And he yes. takes the baby. And then on the way out of there... Everybody. All the bounty hunters from the bar, yes. who we know hate him because they planted that before, yeah. uh, are led by Carl Weathers, and they're like, uh, "Give us the we got a bounty. stew, go- stew yeah. going, and yeah. we need that baby for the stew." Yeah, so give it to us. Uh, and he refuses. Firefight happens. Looks like he's pinned down, and then the cavalry arrives, uh, descends the from the sky. The yeah. Mandalorians all come out of hiding, help him. He takes off to uncertain future, but he yes. knows he wants a jetpack. Right. <laughs> The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. That's it. Yeah, that is it. If I asked you what you thought, mm-hmm. what would you say? I guess you'd just say it. Will it be something good that will go for about five minutes? Um. <laughs> or do we need to have a more complicated conversation about this? Um, I don't know because it's like I, I, I find it. I found that it was entertaining and um, I enjoyed it, but um. Uh, it wasn't exactly what I was expecting, I guess, um, from a, a Star Wars TV show. I don't know what it's I was... It's 100% what I expected. Oh, really? It's not what I hoped for, okay. but it's what I was fairly sure that they would do. Okay. I wanted, when I heard it was a bounty hunter show, mm-hmm. guy never takes his helmet off. Right. I was seeing like Judge Dredd mixed with Justified or something. Mm-hmm. Where we it's we get individual episodes. Every yeah. bounty is a new story, like a comic book. Yeah, I'm sure Tales of the Bounty Hunters. I'm sure they've done this comic book. I'm sure they have too. But because it is a streaming show mm-hmm. in the 21st century, it has to be one long movie that we just chop up into 35 minute segments. Like we just got done on a previous show, slagging off the Paul Rudd show for doing this. Mm-hmm. But that's just the Paul Rudd show. Produced by Netflix, who gives a shit? Right. This is Super the high profile. most powerful, richest <laughs> content creator on planet Earth. Yeah. In human history, mm-hmm. they're doing the same damn thing. Yeah. I and know. it is gorgeous. It is sumptuously produced. It yes. looks better than Star Wars, some Star Wars movies. Yes. Very lightly plotted. <laughs> yeah. Barely any story. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, and and it's, that's that's the disappointing part. And it's predictable in its storytelling, too. It's super predictable. It's also predictable in that Star Wars can't get off its own jock as far as the stupid references go. 
it, it, it yeah, it's just referencing itself time Why not and time create, again. You could create something that is a lot like a Jawa. Why is it a Jawa? I know. Are the Jawas like mobile? Do they are they on multiple planets? Well, he I goes. I was led back, to believe that this was just Tatooine that they were. He on. goes back to the original planet to give the baby to Werner Herzog, and there's Jawas there. Oh, well, then that, that that's the answer, I guess. I guess it is. Like they're on any desert planet, you will find Jawas. Yeah, I and guess. like if you go to Jawas. Jawa, Jabba's palace, and you knock on the door, you get a jutababiki. You get the, like the, the thing. Eye security thing. Why don't they have that over in, on a empire, an empire secret base on a random planet? Yeah, I know. Because I know what that is. I know what a gonk droid is. Yeah. Look, yeah. it's a gonk droid, everybody. Are those the gonk droids, the ones that look like well, weird ma- and mailboxes like, or walking yeah. trash cans? Yeah. 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 Okay. See, even you know that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like having something like, you know, we see an IG, we IG-88, famous, famous character from Star Wars, mm-hmm. seen in pretty much one scene, the bounty hunter scene from Empire. Mm-hmm. But if you want to take the chance on romance, get Taika Waititi to voice a cool CGI version of that. That's, he's Robocopping. He's full yeah. Robocopping. He's yeah. just shooting guys over his shoulder. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, I will self-destruct. Don't, don't self-destruct. That was funny. Right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's not just reference. Like, it's taking something from your lore and from your universe, which, I don't know if you know this, but there's not a lot. (laughs) There's only a couple movies. They don't have any Uh, 800-page novels or comic books. Yeah. I know exactly what you're Let's just do it while I'm on the crab train. Okay. All right. The train's delicious, by the way. (laughs) When it pulls into Butter Station. Mm, mm. Delicious. Yeah. Uh, what what the hell is Kathleen Kennedy talking about? I don't I don't know. And when it's the kind Mandalorian, of... which is produced, her name's on it, but also yeah. um, Colin or Dave Filoni or whatever his name is. Yeah, There's yeah, another yeah. executive producer. Yeah. I think that she's not involved with this. Yeah, maybe not. People hate her. I don't hate her. She's responsible for many of the films that I love from yeah, my childhood. Absolutely. She had to be tuned in at some point. I mm-hmm. think she's tuned out. Um, but it, it unlike, seems that way. Unlike a, a regular company where the CEO comes out twice a year for a tech show and says, this is what the nerds have got for you it's a new cyber camera or something Mm -hmm. i don't know how it works i'm gonna hand you off to turtleneck over here right she is the face of everything and so john favreau who clearly is a huge star wars fan Mm -hmm. develops and writes this show fully from the extended material here's what we know about boba fett his name is boba fett yeah that's what we know from the original trilogy Yeah, yeah yeah i don't think Anybody ever says the word Mandalorian in the first six so. films? Mm-mm. This is all from the comic book, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. and the video game. This is yeah. all from the extended media. Yeah. Oh, sure. Nowadays, like you could go for, like I said, I was on Wikipedia. You can go for hours and hours on the comic book, book, and video game uh, contributions to like what Beskar Steel is and that sort of thing. Right. But. That's it exists. Mm -hmm. And John Favreau took some of that stuff, a big scoop of that stuff. Yes. And made so far three episodes of a show with about enough story for half of an episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. This is the best. This is the best they can do. And it's like it could be better still. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, Uh. I don't know. I mean, I think I I I find it more entertaining. Carbonite. Yeah, yeah, I know. 
carbonite. I, I can't track this. Tell me what's entertaining in a second. I can't track this. I always assumed, mm-hmm. and I know that th- this is what I hate about Star Wars and Star Wars fans, and this happens in every fandom, but it really happens in Star Wars. As soon as something happens that doesn't fit canon, we have to go and create a three-book trilogy to explain yeah. why it's like that. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for McClunky. I can't wait to find out wow. what people come up with for a nine-film series to explain why McClunky yeah. <laughs> is a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was given to understand that Darth Vader comes to the Cloud City of yeah. Bespin yeah. to capture a young Jedi mm-hmm. to take to the Emperor, turn him to the dark side, make him a protege of the Emperor. Yeah. To right. become more powerful. Yeah. But this guy's a little jumper. He's a little Mexican jumping beam, mm-hmm. and he's got a little laser sword. Yeah. So what a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. What if we just froze that ass so he can't move or do anything, and we just ship him right up to the Death Star, no problem. Yeah, right. Right? Uh-huh. So we can do that because this is a gas mine, and we've got all kinds of things that we use to freeze the gas. You trap the gas in yeah. carbonite or whatever, and then you can ship it to other places. Sure. But it's not so you would put a do this to a human. It's right. crazy. You put handcuffs on a human. Right. You don't plunge a human into Arctic waters until they're an icicle and then hope that they survive when you Captain America them at the other end of it. Right, right, right. Right. So this was all jury rigged. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why they say somebody says in that scene, like, this facility is crude, but it should be sufficient to freeze young Skywalker for his journey to the Emperor. Never mind. Darth Vader says it. Yeah. And Boba Fett, our Mandalorian, is worried. He's like, What if it doesn't work? Yeah. He's worth a lot to me. Right. The Emperor's Empire will compensate you for your loss. Uh, it's all, we don't know. This is catch as catch can. Right. In four or five years, we're just spinning them out. This is how you do it now. I know. And now I'm sure there's some dumb retcon that's like, no, that's the preferred way of transporting criminals is by freezing them in carbonite. The thing in Bespin is that they didn't have the proper facility, so they had to sort of make it work. But if you go to Bounty Hunters R Us, they're just freezing them out, freezing them out. Well, and That is dumb. Yeah. It reduces the coolness the ingenuity and the risk of trying to get this little kid from corvette summer in this hole i agree uh and and the weird thing is too is is the mandalorian ship is kind of a clunker it looks like it's been around for a while yeah you meant i meant mcclunky and uh he has this facility this capability of doing freezing somebody in carbonite on his ship so how does that work? Well, uh, my headcanon is uh, it, freezing uh, Han Solo became so popular and Jabba showed him off to so many bond hunters that they went around and were like, that's not a bad idea. And so some enterprising guy went back and like developed the technology and now that is the way that you transport people as a bounty hunter. But that even that's dumb. Well, <laughs> I came up with that and that's dumb. Well, and even like, so we're watching episode number one and Horatio Sands goes downstairs to kind of poke around and see if he can escape or whatever. And and Mandalorian, like, he he finds the other uh, prisoners in Carbonite. And he's been yakking at the Mandalorian this entire time. Right. You think if he had this on his ship, he would have frozen him right away as soon as they hit no, the No, he airways. had to wait until he could pop up behind him like a movie monster and then spook him into the thing. Right? Well, we're trying to establish that this is this is a guy that this will a bad throw away his life to save a baby he's never met. 
So right. we have to establish that he's bad, first of all. Right. So we can have the heel turn later. <sighs> no, for the face turn. <laughs> it's not a joke. You, oh, you meant face turn. I meant face turn. Yeah. So anyway, there's just a lot of Western in this. There's specifically yeah. a lot of um, Peckinpah. Uh, when he goes, we don't know why the Yoda baby is being kept in no. this building. Mm-hmm. Were all those uh, Nikto's that he shot before, were they all good guys? I have no idea. Yeah, I was wondering that too. And you know what? I don't think we're ever going to know. Are Probably we? not. We're never going to know. No. No. But that building was a space building, but it was like Adobe colored. Yes. Like a lot of like tattooing buildings are. And mm-hmm. it specifically had like, I'm sure they were like, cyber nodes or something you can look it up on wikipedia but they were meant to evoke the the wooden um uh struts or slats that you see in like in westerns you know like an old west town yeah. if the cowboy rides into like a mexican village it's yes. gonna look it was it looked like that specifically yeah it did and then once that gets going it's just lone wolf and cub now yeah it kind of seems like it it's an assassin taking yes. care of a baby yes uh, at, at all costs. That's, well, yeah. Slow moving cut. Yeah. Okay. Maybe this Favreau guy is a good director, but not a, a real creative writer. Yeah, that could be. Um, I mean, I guess if I was going to do a food truck movie, I would say that Sofia Vergara was my ex-wife and I was currently married to ScarJo. <laughs> wow. Seems like maybe he's smarter than we give him credit for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I Say some good know. things before I start complaining again. Um, I... I don't know. I I, I, I liked it. Um, I feel like maybe I would have liked it more if it was something else. But um, I'm, I, I kind of want to continue watching it just to see where it goes. Even though, I mean, I'm pretty sure like him and Baby Yoda are going to like escape. and But they're going to have people on their tail probably for forever. So I don't know where, where does that end. Well, like, if it's a movie, then we're done with Baby Yoda by the eighth episode right oh you think so yeah okay that'll be the end of baby yoda and then we'll also get some other new development with what's going on with the mandalorians and then we'll move into like season two with some new thing okay that's just i mean i watch streaming tv you know i know how it works right i mean i have to like it or that's the way it has to be but i understand it and that's what's going to happen okay um i don't want to see him kill jawas no, not really, because like they're, they're and, and and Nick Nolte makes this like he they're he said they stole them from my ship. He's like they don't steal, they just take things apart. They just mm, they stole quite a lot of well, stuff. Well, okay, but I mean, <laughs> oh god damn it, Jawas. <laughs> they're not necessarily like this is what they do, I guess. So why <laughs> why disintegrate them? I don't know. Well. Why disintegrate them, uh, hero of this show, uh, just murdering sentient beings? Yeah. Uh, who I guess just takes stuff, but we're not supposed to think about them as people. Yeah. So it's okay. I know. Why does he have a cape? I don't know. I don't know. Other than it's cool. Does Boba Fett have a cape? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. I yeah, think but, that's why. So it's just part of the traditional Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah. I think jerk so. Jerk off sound. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Exactly. You know. And just and also Horatio Sands. Um, Brian Posehn, Taika Waititi, just look for the onslaught of celebrity cameos yeah. to come, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to want a bit part in this. Yeah, I think so. Why didn't he want to? Oh, he doesn't like droids. Yes. He didn't want to take the the robot Uber that showed up. No, he did not. The r Tutor. Yes. Uh, he, he was like, I don't know droids. So, um, and I think that's probably because in the flashbacks we get of him as a little kid, 
Um, He's, his parents are killed by those dumb droids from yes. the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why. Which is like, wait a minute, how old is he? Yeah. This takes place after Return of the Jedi. Yes. I know. Like, well, they, yeah, supposedly it's like 19, 20 years or whatever. Okay. It's not a long time to everybody to forget who the Jedi are. This has been gone over already. We don't do this again. Yeah. <sighs> uh, would you recommend it? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. I mean, look, man, you, you, this is like coming, don't come into my house and tell me we're going to piss. <laughs> um, this is just, I, I have not directed a bunch of movies or nor am I money, baby. So money, and I don't even know it. Uh, but I probably know more about Star Wars than John Favreau does, mm-hmm. and that could be true of many of the people watching this show. Sure, and I'm yeah. not saying that it means that we should write the show. I'm just saying this funk is the hardest to fake. Yet at the same time, it's the easiest to fake because when I see those videos of hundreds of people waving their little lightsabers around, it's like a Nuremberg rally. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Like. Yeah. Y- you're, people are going to love this no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the only person in the world is trying to hold these people to some kind of standard. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm caught between, well, it's kind of for kids, although they yeah. they, they're not writing it for kids, right? Mm, I don't think they're Because really sometimes are. I feel like, boy, that's really simplistic storytelling. I think you could, we just got done watching Ronin. Like, yeah. I think you can go a little more complicated. And right. I don't know if they're not doing that because they're trying to make it accessible or if it's just. It's Star Wars. How how smart does it have to be? Here's a cool thing. Yeah. Totally unnecessary. I don't know if it was Favreau's idea or just some VFX guy, but this is the first, the very first? I'm not sure it's the first, but it's the best uh, uh, view of vibro blades we've ever seen. Uh, Is that his weapon that he uses? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a great effect. It's a great idea. Yeah. It's from the books. I'm Mm -hmm. glad that they have that. Because it's like, you know, yeah, you can have a knife. It's not a lightsaber, but what if it, like, vibrates? Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, um, the stormtroopers having, like, kind of rusty armor was, yeah. like, a neat touch. Yeah, it was. Um, there were a lot of them. Like, I thought, like, there was just going to be, like, the four. The four. Guys, yeah. But, well, like, it's a empire base. You got to have a bunch of stormtroopers walking around. Right. Because <laughs> you just cut through them like butter. So. Uh, the yeah. Mandalorian's fingers are yellow. For no good reason, and I love it. <laughs> like, his whole outfit is all gray and, like, brown yeah. or whatever, but then his gloves are, like, yellow fingers. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting touch. Um, I'm know, not I'm really like, sure why they did that, but, yeah. It's just the school. Yeah. I kind of <laughs> liked his, like, armor that was all, like, busted. I kind of thought it looked pretty cool, but, I mean, I guess. Yeah, three episodes in, and he's got, like, his full shiny suit of armor. armor. So, yeah, I know. I mean, we could have milked that forever. I feel like we could have, but... Whatever. <sighs> yeah. The big alien he fights is it's a rhinoceros. I yeah. It's a that's hairy all, rhinoceros. That's all you get. Yeah. It's that's like a got? it's like a woolly mammoth with a rhino. That's what they get. So. Yeah, I just I don't I it's very simplistic. Uh mercenary, uh you know, with a heart of gold ends up uh encounters the forest and becomes good. Right. We know we've seen this story. Yeah. We just exactly. swapped a vest for a helmet. Yeah. Exactly. So why am I supposed to get excited about this? I know. I know. And when all you're going to do is just put the ice cream maker in the third episode and I'm supposed to shit my pants. <laughs> this is this is all Star Wars is fan fiction now. And I hate to admit it, but I think this is true of Star Trek as well. 
Yeah. It's all just fan fiction. It's all just people. Right? And then, oh, man, you know what? Uh, Luke Skywalker's never fought a dinosaur before. So oh, we're going to have just we're just knocking our action figures together. We're yeah. just repeat. You know, we joke about how it must be easy to write one of these scripts because 50 percent of it's recycled dialogue. Right. And I got a bad feeling about this. Somebody it's calls, all just fan fiction. Com- somebody calls somebody else like you're my only hope, and I was like, I thought <laughs> yeah. that was uh, <laughs> yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi. Like, come on, guys. Like, so it's like, yeah. Um, when you you literally use famous lines from the films, but the, I mean, the, but the films have been doing that forever. I know, I know. And I just wish that we could get out of that. I, now this this series has got out of that by ripping off old westerns <laughs> instead yes. of ripping off Star Wars. Which was ripping off old westerns. Right. Like the searchers. <laughs> Bam. What do you think? Um, I'm interested to see where it's going to go. Um, I'll tell you where it's going to go. Yeah. They are sucking midichlorians out of the Yoda baby because mm-hmm. you hate midichlorians and yet yep. you double down on it by basically saying that I guess Yoda's people. It's not that, it's not that Yoda has been through a lot, has reached a level of mental... Um, I know, oneness right? and balance that he has mastered the force. No, his people are just chock full of monochlorians. Yeah. Because that's cool. And so that's exactly <laughs> what we hated about Phantom Menace. Yeah. But anyway, his people are full of monochlorians. The Empire just got their asses beat by a kid with the force, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, maybe there's something to this force thing. Right. So they're looking for people like the baby Yoda. They're going to suck the midichlorians out of them and try to use them on their own troopers to create dark troopers, like in the video game Dark Forces. Yeah, and the I subsequent using um, like Shadows of the Empire or the Kyle Katarn books or whatever too. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen. Okay. Stamp uh, it. Mark it. Bam. All right. You heard it here first. Right folks. now. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I look forward what to you seeing your predictions happen? come true. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think um, he's going to, you know, fight until he can't fight anymore. And he's going to find a safe haven for the baby somehow. Maybe it'll be with a Jedi. I don't know. Um, and uh, I thought, yeah, that's something else. I'm mad. Wasn't this supposed to be no Jedi? Yeah. And right away, Force. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think you're right. I think they like famously said there aren't any Jedi in this, so they were kind of excited about that. But um, yeah, you got to give it to Rogue One. They stuck to that. <laughs> no, they did. Yeah, they did. They just did. because you've got you know, Donnie Yen is obsessed with like the Jedi and the Force. Right. There's, there was no Force in it. Yeah, that's true. Um, Except Vader, in that really gratuitous scene. Right. That, right. That everybody loves. Lightsabers up. Start waving around. <laughs> Are you guys ready to hear from Anthony Daniels? Oh, my God. <laughs> guy's kind of a jerk. Do uh, – oh, were you finished with your predictions? <laughs> um, I think I was more or less finished with my predictions. Will, will Baby Yoda grow sclera later? Oh, stop. Yoda has regular eyes. I know. <laughs> like white part – Iris. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baby Yoda has all black eyes. So. I think to make it even cuter, you know, even though not, I don't really think that like all black eyes are like cute. Like an anime creature. Yeah. Like a Pikachu. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. It's uh, just it's just Gizmo, the gremlin mixed with Pikachu. Yeah, it kind of really is. Um, And I mean, I think you mentioned this a couple times while we were watching it. 
the show will have you believe that babies are really quiet because he barely makes any noise. (laughs) Never does. John Favreau, not interested in writing baby dialogue. I guess not. Or even like emotions or reactions to things. Yeah. He's very... He's very blank. You think you're getting mileage out of the fact that he's weird and other, but if he's going to have to stick around for another five episodes or whatever, we're going to need some personality from Baby Yoda. I agree. And the most personality we really have seen from him is him trying to help the Mandalorian with force powers. Like he's like, he tries to like close up his wound and the Mandalorian just like puts him back in his basket. Yeah, I'm just assuming that's what it was, but. I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, with with what we get later, I guess that yeah. must be what it is. Yeah. Um, um, so, I mean, I don't even know if Baby yeah. Yoda I hate knows it. what he has. You should absolutely watch it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think it sucks. Sweet. I can't wait for the fourth one. Oh, come on. Um, what do you think about the service, Disney Plus? Um, I thought it was okay, and you're going to make fun of me for this because I, I think wait. it was uh, the second episode when he goes back to Nick Nolte, and it suddenly, like, was in German instead of, like, <laughs> English, and I was sitting there, like, watching it, yes. like... Yes. Like I was like I was like trying to hear and I was like maybe I'm just not hearing I think it right. We, yes, he he gets the baby, he goes back, his ship is broken apart, he goes back to Nick Nolte, and I think I got up and go to the bathroom and as I was leaving I heard like Guten Abend, Mandalorian. And I'm like, what? Well, my bladder's full. And then you just sat there. I did. Was there subtitles? No, no, there were no so subtitles. Just, they're just talking in like German. I like, I thought I was like mishearing oh, them or something. Crazy alien languages. <laughs> this must be intentional. I'll find out what they're talking about eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how it like like switched on us. So that was yeah, like, that was a little buggy. That was a little buggy. Um, so didn't really like that that much. <laughs> um, other than that, we didn't have any real issues with the the service i don't think itself like while we were watching stuff um the search uh where did they stump us where did they stump us yes like on like what they had available i went through every single old 50s disney movie that they showed me uh in uh at at sunday school when they Mm -hmm. didn't feel like teaching me about the bible um up to it, including the nature films where they, yep. I don't think they have the one where they run the lemmings off the cliff for good reason. But they, we finally stumped them at. Something Tremaine that was. Oh, Johnny Tremaine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Didn't have Johnny Tremaine. Yeah. Cancel. Yeah. Exactly. Cancel service. But <laughs> other than that, pretty comprehensive. I think they had quite a bit. Talk about the Disney vault. This is the vault. Yeah. Um. They they even have like you can uh, search within sections of like the decades, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, like see what was you know Disney TV shows or movies of the 1930s and uh, you know all that sort of stuff. Um, Steamboat Willie. Yeah, I know. Um, I think there was another um, uh thing that was like mickey mouse for the years or something like that so um but yeah i thought it was um it was pretty interesting and i think they had quite a few uh options for for people um and uh i i think they they have a lot of stuff um i think they don't have a whole lot from fox as of yet no. and they didn't have donald duck reading mein Kampf. they did we check for that yes so it's a no they didn't have that and i've never seen that Outdated before yeah cultural depictions give yes. me your last word 
Um, a last word. Um, a thumbs Why? up. Why? Oh my god. That's gonna be my last word. Um, I Why? I enjoyed the Mandalorian and I want to see more. So. Yeah, it's kind of a thanks I hate it situation for me, but I'll definitely be continuing to watch. I'm hoping to find something to not complain about. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to be unfair. No. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. I do them a big geek. Do you know the story of the Mandalorians? Uh, I don't think that I. The really Mandalorians, do. as you probably could gather from the show, are a fierce, proud warrior race. Mm-hmm. They're like space Klingons. Sure. In Star Wars, basically. And they live in another part of the galaxy. And at some point, the the Old Republic's expansion reached a certain point and ran into these guys. And then the Mandalorians were like, these guys are wimps. And then started like attacking, you know, the outer edges of Republic space. And then okay. um, sort of pushing their way in. And so the Old Republic had to gather the Jedi and go out and fight the Mandalorian Wars. Okay. Kind of pushing them back into their sector. When that happened, though, there's this kind of heart of darknessy kind of aspect to the Knights of the Old Republic story, where okay. some Jedi's um, or Jedi's plural, uh, like Exar Kun and Kulik Eldroma, these guys like went out and they saw some stuff, man. They saw some stuff, <laughs> okay. You know, and so they came back, sort of changed. Okay. And like, I don't know. Maybe this isn't the best way to go. And so they themselves you know one by one kind of fell to the dark side and then started like you know aligning with the sith which i believe already existed at that at that time but okay now had jedi champions and and so we got like the great sith war and so all this you can have any of this stuff you literally own this stuff kathy this all belongs to you i know you can do whatever you want with this I know. stuff i know there are there are years you could start baby begin reading yeah well it's a baby but let's say you can read uh, baby reads until it dies, and it has not finished all of the material. I know that you can draw from to make these things. I know, I know. I thought D and D were gonna make an old Republic show. I thought they were or too. Uh, movies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That That's was video kind of game. The rumor. Yeah. A friend of mine said, "I think she means that you know Harry Potter is made movies are made from the books and right. so on and so forth." And it's like, yeah, but. You could do whatever you want. You could. There, there is. We're already a... seeing things in Star Trek Discovery that I think are from some of the books we've seen in some of the books before. Yeah, yeah. It belongs to you. Yeah. Um. There is a lot of stuff you can pull from, and the fact that she's not aware of it is a little disheartening. But, um. Yeah. I. I mean, like you said, there. There's comics. There's books. There's video games. So. Um, there sure are. Yeah. Uh, they do exist. They do. They're, they're real. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Definitively. Yes. Yes. Um, winding down then. What was that? Winding down. Winding down. Yeah, I think I think we're winding down. I think you are. Uh, okay. Okay. She's a little sleepy. Hey. She's a little tired. All right. Well, look, uh, we got to get her to bed. So <laughs> you know the drill. Check us out on social media. Just enough trope. Facebook, Twitter. The others are just. Dis- our discovery, our Discord. We talk about discovery on our Discord. Yes. The Just Enough Trope Discord. Link in the show notes. Join us there and talk about what you think. I'm a nice guy. Yeah, you are. Tell me you love it. Yeah. I'm not going to savage you. No. I want to talk about why you love it. Well, 
Oh, yeah. So I can undermine your... No, no, I didn't talk with us. <laughs> it's all fun and games, and we just talk about cool pop culture stuff. Join us there. Get to us on those listening platforms of choice, whatever yours is. I think we're on Stitcher now. Yay. I think we've always been on Stitcher, I think but so too. I doubled down. And we're on a couple other ones. So if you have a weird esoteric one, uh, check us out. We're on Castbox. Nice. We're on there. Yeah, we are in Castbox. Check us out. Subscribe to the show wherever you get it from. It comes right to you. Give us a review. We want to hear from you how we're doing. How are we doing? I think we're doing pretty well. I think we're doing pretty good too, but I want to hear what these people think, not you. Yeah, okay. And sure. uh, we also want a rating. That's the most important part. That's how the computers know that we're doing a good job. So give us five things plates of beskar steel there you go and then do the thing where i ain't even mad about this because it's just a trope but you know like carl weathers gets shot i and know he pulls out the thing like the like the lighter steel. you know or the yeah. bible in his pocket like, yeah that's fine that's that's a movie trope yeah we know that but it also shows that he's still got some of this stuff and maybe he's got more so we're gonna see carl weathers again and here's my other prediction after we add uh dummy thick <laughs> Uh, we're also going to, I bet Carl Weathers is going to come around and be a good guy. Yeah. Don't you think? I, I would like that. That's going to leave us no bad guy. Though. Yeah, <laughs> that's than, true. When the, no no one should be a Jedi. No one should be a Jedi. <laughs> Werner Herzog's still around, I think. We I haven't did, seen him. Yeah, I was amazed. I thought he was going to be in one and out, but yeah. he did come back. I yeah. thought that was cool. So we'll see him again, too. Yeah. See, I like the show. I know. I'm watching it. Yeah. I can't wait to watch one more and then cancel Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Tell me what happens on the Discord. Uh, give us five stars instead. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. And until then, we're signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikan Hana. Keep the geek fires burning. Keep the geek fires burning.